Hello, and welcome to the Bitcoin.Review podcast. This is an ad-free pod. Thank you so much for streaming those ads. If you're a new listener, I'm NVK, and I run CoinKite, where we've been helping people secure their Bitcoins for over a decade. We make products like the Code Card, the Block Clock, and we have a bunch of other projects. You can find more information on CoinKite.com. Today I have with me an awesome team here, and uh, we're going to try to explain to you Bitcoin. <laughs> All of it. But, but that's right. But but not in the way you're used to. This episode's <laughs> got to be 46 hours. That's right. And uh, I, I like to start Bitcoin explanations from the, the the standoff, the Mexican standoff dynamic, which really is how Bitcoin works. So why don't I introduce the guests and then we go from there because we're going to take a lot of tangents here. <laughs> Aaron, thanks for coming, sir. Yeah, thanks for having me. For the people who don't know you, uh, what, what is it that you do? How people know you? Uh, I'm, I'm a journalist. I work for Bitcoin Magazine. I also do the Bitcoin Explained podcast with Shores Provost these days. That, that summarizes it pretty well, I think. Thank you. You're underselling yourself. So Aaron sell, uh, uh, writes some of the, the best long form articles uh, on Bitcoin topics. They're like quite fantastic. One of the few journalists who actually understand how Bitcoin works. And uh, it, it, is, uh, it is a pleasure having him. Thank you. Uh, and we just had a short on the last, uh, on the last episode. Oh, right. Yeah. He did mention that. Yeah. Harry, uh, he's a return guest. Thanks for coming, sir. Thanks for having me. I didn't talk myself out of this yet. That's right. Uh, you even dropped a call with uh, what generator suppliers that you're never <laughs> going to get again. <laughs> exactly. Sp spinner of turbines, purveyor of electrons. That's right. And we also have Adam. Thanks for coming, Adam. Hi. Thanks for having me. You want to just introduce yourself quickly? Uh, sure, I'm I'm Adam Gibson, also known as Waxwing. I I mostly work on Join Market and some other like Bitcoin cryptography stuff. Adam is an absolute rock star. So guys, wh why don't we get right into into it? So what I wanted to do was get a couple people here who understand how Bitcoin works, just one layer above of the code itself. What I wanted to do is, how can we get people to to actually understand how does dynamics work and how they interact with each other, how the incentives work, and why do we always find ourselves in weird predicaments with Bitcoin and, and changes and, 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 you know, collateral damage and, uh, and, and how is everybody stuck together, right? The title of, the, at least the working title of the episode is going to be uh, The Mexican Standoff. For the people that don't know what the Mexican standoff is, there is a great meme that explains it. It's three people pointing guns at each other, one gun in each hand. So if one dies, the other one dies, and, and essentially everybody can kill each other if they do something against the other, right? So we're essentially, we all holding each other accountable in this system. So why don't we explain, at least in, in some superficial layer, the difference between nodes miners and devs, which I believe to be the three parties in this Mexican standoff. 
And the nodes, when I'm talking about nodes, is economic nodes. We're going to get into that later. But so you have economic nodes, you have the miners, and then you have the devs. And the devs essentially just represent the people who can change code, right? That doesn't have to be actual devs. So who wants, who wants to, to just tackle that, that quick explanation? Well, I, I don't think I agree with your analogy. Perfect. Uh, do, do you want to get, get into that right now? Or do you want to sort of explain why you think the analogy works? What's a better order of things here? No, go ahead. Like, explain how you see it. This is this is a great uh, way to start. Uh, I mean, so I guess the point of Bitcoin, ultimately, if you boil it down, I, I, I guess, or at least one way of looking at it is we need to make sure that everyone agrees Everyone needs to accept the same blocks. Everyone needs to accept the same transactions. So if coins move, we all need to agree that they moved and that they moved from the same place to the same place. Like that's sort of the maybe most essential thing we need consensus on. Uh, and I don't think developers are part of that consensus at all. It, it's really just between miners and users in the end. Like miners and users have to figure that out through incentives and through protocol rules and through that kind of stuff. And I think developers, I would really just see developers as advisors or, you know, they, they, they offer tools, they build tools for the miners and users to use if they want. But I don't see them as like a, a party in any sort of game theory there. Okay, so so that's, that's an interesting way of putting it. I'll try to defend why I think... Uh, the devs yeah. matter there. Yeah. Uh, so, for example, you could also say the miners are nodes, right? Because the miners are running nodes and they're relaying the the blocks that they found. So, you know, if you want to really, if you want to be fully reductionist, I think we arrive at just nodes, right? Like, uh, well, you could say block producers and block acceptors or sure. something like that, and then the miners are both. But the reason why I bring the devs in is because the nodes, the average user has no real power, right? They, they really don't have a lot uh, to say or do because one, they, they have to trust somebody, right? Because they, they can't read the code, trust the code, understand the code. Uh, and they're running some code, right? And, and Bitcoin, due to its technical complexity, you know, I like to say that Bitcoin is practically very simple and technically extremely complicated. <laughs> Right, like it's a paradox in 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 software in a way. So, when you have very complex software that people at the end need need to run, right? Bitcoin is is a people protocol in a way. You need this source of truth and trust, and because it's so technically complicated, you end up having just one distribution of software, right? Which is essentially Bitcoin Core as we understand. Right, uh, nobody owns Bitcoin Core. Anyone can run Bitcoin Core. Anyone can fork Bitcoin Core. And I mean Bitcoin Core as the uh, in name, right? The actual package, Bitcoin Core, which used to be called Bitcoin, and then it was going to be separated from the wallet. So they they rename it Bitcoin Core. Uh, it's a long sort of winded road on why we're here with this name and and the way sort of like is the way it is, right? So essentially, you have a trusted circle. Right, a trusted group of people who who are the main maintainers of Bitcoin Core, and uh, they have keys uh, that they sign that software with. It doesn't mean you have to run their software, but 
realistically and practically speaking, if you're not running Bitcoin Core as maintained by this smaller group of people who have also thousands of people reviewing and maintain and also contributing, we, we can explain that further later. You know, you're gonna likely go out of consensus, right? It's completely unrealistic for somebody to spin up their own version of core and try to maintain consensus and try to sort of like participate in the same rules. And, and well, this is why... You, just to, I'll, I'll let you finish, but this is clearly not something everyone agrees on, right? Like this is an opinion yes. you yeah, have. Yeah, yeah, okay, yeah of on. course, yes. That, that is, sorry, and I, I think I should premise with that, that that is my opinion, right? Also, there is no source of truth in Bitcoin of who defines what either, right? Aside from the blocks that did get mined and accepted by most in the longest chain, like there is no CEO, there is no company, there is no entity that owns the definitions of anything, really. I mean, in a way, Bitcoin Cash could claim that they are Bitcoin and, you know, nobody really gets to say that they aren't, except for the fact that because we have a higher economic Price. weight... Price is the yeah. only source of truth there. It's an exchange. It's an exchange rate truth machine. I, d I disagree with that as well. But yeah, no, it's it, this is this is perfect. Well, go ahead, Aaron. But we're also this is getting too chaotic at this already, maybe. So we're you were explaining how the developers are part of a Mexican standoff. I think that you were yes. still in the process of explaining that, right? Can I offer a mental model? Sure, go ahead. We need we need an abstraction layer here. And I view Bitcoin as Bitcoin, the monetary network and, and whatever is just a really big shelf that's, that's an overhang on a cliff, right? So there's a really big outcropping of rock and miners, nodes, developers, users, all the participants that we've talked about thus far are people who have decided to stand under the rock that's hanging above them. And there are sort of two roles in play, and we'll, we'll use material science um, for NVK here, which is that there's a composite that is required, that there's only one element on earth that can be built into a pole that will prop up the rock. If the pole falls down, the rock falls on everybody who's chosen to stand under it, and we all get squished. And that's, you know, essentially, if we, if we, if, if Bitcoin is, is, uh, compromised in some way. If there's an inconsensus rule that is allowed to be broken um, and double spending begins, for for instance. And so we're all standing under this, this huge outcrop and there's a, there's a pole that's propping it up. What miners' job is to do is to put the pole there and to continue to put poles there because the rock is getting increasingly large. Okay, and, it's and getting too complicated. But so you're getting lost roles. in the analogy. <laughs> yes, that's right. Sorry, Eric. we're all at risk. We're all at risk. We're all taking yes. on the same risk. But that's why. That's why I'm trying to mimify <laughs> into the Mexican standoff, uh, which Aaron disagree. Yeah. First of all, I think that we all agree. I think that what we want to achieve is consensus, right? We want to all accept the same blocks, essentially. Ultimately, that's that's sort of what we want. Right, and, and now your claim is that somehow there are free parties that are holding each other hostage in some way or another. Correct. So I, so I spell out sort of translate the analogy into actual Bitcoin, or or, or at least explain how the devs are part of this. Yeah. Right? Okay. So I explain, I guess, like you know that the users can't deal with the code; they need a distribution to run, and the code that you run for Bitcoin is everything, right? Like. You can't just do your own. It has to match 
everything has to match so that you have consensus, right? It's very, very rare that you're going to have a protocol where there's only just one distribution and you have to agree on everything. So, you know, you have the miners, the miners have control of what goes in a block. You have the economic nodes, which do two things, right? They can relay transactions that their software agrees with, but they also have the power to dump that fork, right? And move on to a different fork. So they have economical power to choose which direction they want to go. And that has massive consequences to the miners, right? If I'm being overly simplistic here. And then the devs enter that by essentially having the power to sway users or miners to use different software, right? And different settings of that software as well. Uh, so they interfere with the dynamic. Wait, so that, that would suggest, if I'm understanding you correctly, that... I mean, are you saying that two parties, so you, developers and miners, could collude to, for example, change the protocol? Well, yes, uh, not in technically, but practically, because see, the developers, if if a lot of them who have you know some some uh, uh, um, statue on the on the system, right, who who are you know the gray beards that like everybody trusts, right, if they decide to try to sell a piece of software, right? Some some setting or some changes that are very good for the miners and not necessarily good for the users. The users may not be able to, one, understand what's going on, or two, uh, they may be just swayed because they don't want to lose the devs. And the <coughs> miners, in this case, so can collude with them. So why why don't they? So I mean, I disagree, but uh, I guess my first <laughs> sure. question is why, why, if miners and devs can just collude against the users, why don't they? Why don't they just create a version of Bitcoin that pays them unlimited Bitcoin? No, okay. So this is the thing, right? And this is why the Mexicans stand off coming into play. You don't want to fully lose the users long-term, right? It will become obvious long-term that that change was stupid, right? That that change was not in the interest of the users. So let's say the miners and the developers could collude in the short-term gains, right? But it will become obvious in the long term, that that was a bad idea, if that makes any sense. So you, so okay, so your thesis is that the only reason that this isn't happening is because developers and miners are currently taking a long-term perspective. Correct. Okay. See, I mean, I, it's I, still I, nascent, right? And if you don't have users, you don't have more economic capacity coming in for both miners and devs to profit from the system too. Right, because the devs are users; they're also economic actors and everything else. Everybody is an economic actor in Bitcoin. Right, and then who are the? I mean, there there are certain several points where I disagree. I think, but let's start with you're talking about developers as if they are some entity. But who are you even talking about? Like anyone? I'm talking about Bitcoin Core's distribution. Okay, but who? But who's that then? Well, that's the people who have keys and some statue who do sign the software, right? Okay. So, okay. So the the main maintainers. Yeah, the maintainer. Okay. So that's but your thesis. But, is, but, but then, is that is that relevant? If I can always roll back to a previous version. Well, you can also just not up, upgrade the software. You can just yeah, keep I can running. Just not, with I can your just run. not upgrade. I'm, we're backwards compatible, right, exactly. so I can always sure. have a checkpoint. But then you lose the devs, right? And who's going to maintain the software after that? Well, is that necessary? Well, 
that's the question, right? Like we don't know that, right? For example, we still have the Unix date problem to fix. That's, that's a mandatory fix that needs to come, right? Aside from that one, I don't know any other that's actually mandatory anymore. Well, we can definitely agree that we don't need any specific developer, I think. That's right? correct. Like, so you just, Absolutely correct. So you, so you just mentioned these five maintainers or how, however many they are. We don't necessarily need them, right? So then they aren't a entity or a party? Uh, you do need the devs. No, see, I think it's a fallacy to think you need someone to develop, uh, maybe, at least in the far future. Yeah, but Bitcoin is too complex, right? Like you need a lot of them and a lot of the very rare juicy brains that work on it. Like it's the same reason. See, you would you would be congruent with the with the argument that we need we need a budget for devs. Like we need more money for core development, right? Because Bitcoin needs some very hardcore gardening at a minimum, right? Like the software dies if it doesn't get maintained. Right, it's you can't just fully, fully stop. I thought you were an entropy maximalist. <laughs> but but hang on, there's one more thing. The same argument you're making that no specific dev is required, right? Which is true. Mm -hmm. You also don't need any specific miner. No, no, ab absolutely right. Uh, but but that that doesn't conflict with how I see it at all because I'm just looking at incentives and basically economics and i'm just saying that when it comes to incentives and economics i don't see developers as part of that you know like i said earlier they provide tools and advice and like they're important i just don't think they're part of any sort of economic incentives or mexican standoff that's all i'm saying if i could find a path that we both sort of like would go in in semi agreement would be that you're correct in, in terms of like, technically they are not, right? Like they're not part of the consensus. They're not like, nobody's forced to use their software. But practically speaking, in the human level of Bitcoin, they play a ginormous part, right? Like you can see, for example, how, you know, most people didn't even notice that SegWit would have a four megabyte increase or that uh, Taproot didn't even get much of an argument from outside of people who were extremely technical. Yeah, but I'm not, so but what point are you making with that? I'm trying to say that like devs have the power of like, it's kind of like a shaman power, right? Like it's kind of like a fake power, but like, you know, everybody is afraid and believes. So like, you know, you can get a lot done with belief, uh, even though they're not like technically part of the consensus. Can I can I interrupt you for a second? Sure, go ahead. Um, I just want to know because I, c I can see where this back and forth comes from, but I, I want to pin down a bit better, uh, Rodolfo. What exactly is it that is like? What's the threat model in your head? What is the what is the thing that you're concerned about? Oh no no, there is no concern. We're still we're still trying to explain There's Bitcoin. No concern. <laughs> it's descriptive. <laughs> there is no concern. <laughs> oh okay. Oh, we can't break Bitcoin. <laughs> if we are practically speaking dependent on specific developers, isn't that that a concern? Mm. Isn't mm. that something you would be concerned yes. about? That's a good point. Yes, you could say there's very few cryptographers out there that fully understand what's going on uh, in some parts of the of Bitcoin. So your, your, your concern is, is that developers do play a role in consensus and that that is a problem, partly because of funding, partly because of concentration of power, partly because of, you know, possibility of corruption and blah, 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 all these things. I is would say it? like that's not a, a personal concern. The, 
I just don't want to frame it that way. I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, at least my premise was, Bitcoin is a Mexican standoff, right? Mm. So there's three parties to it. There is the, 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 there's essentially like core distribution, which is the DAVs. There's the miners, right? And then there's the economic nodes. Everybody can be each, but, but there is these three essentially big power dynamics that keep Bitcoin going, at least in the foreseeable future. Mm. It's not a terrible analogy. Did you say it's a terrible analogy or not a I terrible said, analogy? I said it's not a terrible analogy. It feels like a kind of a partial analogy. It's like the negative side of the... If, for example, it's a way of looking at why there's a lot of inertia in the system. Because, you know, everyone's in danger mm. of being killed <laughs> uh, in some sense. But I'm not sure. It seems a bit... Mm. Mm. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's so far... the Because, see, like, the problem that I have with just bringing up the nodes and the economic nodes and the miners is that it doesn't really, it doesn't fully, it doesn't have the fully, a full representation of Bitcoin, the human level, right? Which is kind of what I want to explain to people with this episode is like, and this is like the source of a lot of, a lot of uh, confusion, grief, drama, is that people don't seem to grasp, like, where do core distribution, core devs power that being technical or practical, where did it begin and where does it end, right? Uh, there's a lot of people who think that, you know, Bitcoin Core is Bitcoin, right? Like, it's like, that's it, right? Like, they decide where Bitcoin goes kind of thing. And then there's a lot of people that don't understand that without Core devs and without that safe, let's call it safe distribution, extremely sort of like conservative and, and try to be non contentious, uh, it would also break, right? So, it, Sorry, what would break? I don't get, I so, didn't follow that that lot. You were going to say something here? Okay. Yeah, I, so maybe it's to sort of get us on some sort of path of what we're discussing, and you did mention this, like maybe uh, changing Bitcoin or how to change Bitcoin could be a good angle, because if you're talking about changing Bitcoin, at that point, you're really talking about, okay, what is Bitcoin then? What is the essence of Bitcoin and who has the power in Bitcoin? Because if you want to make a change, then some sort of decision has to be made somewhere. And then the, you can ask who's making these decisions or how does this happen? And I, I think that's maybe the most sort of essential or the best way to look at, okay, what are the power dynamics then? It's, yeah, I love that one. Maybe we go on that tangent. Go ahead, Harry. Yeah, the point is that I think, and part of why we're struggling to define this, is that Bitcoin exists along a number of different timescales. And so miners change Bitcoin every, you know, every 10 minutes on average. We add new box. But we're, cha we're changing Bitcoin entirely within the existing present consensus set. So there's, a, there's a, a change in sort of the consensus mechanisms and the mechanisms by which a new block is admissible. Um, and the and the, the the tooling across what can be include what can be included in a block that can change over a much longer development time scale it took whatever four years to get Taproot developed and tested and and then included and then activated. But you know this idea that that you know all Bitcoin does when it changes is adds a new block. Yeah, well, it's so because the next block needs to follow the consensus rules, 
right? That's exactly. how Bitcoin. That's how Bitcoin maintains its consensus. Uh, it's both by the new transactions being agreed on, uh, but the transactions being agreed on, the rules for that are also will maintain Bitcoin consensus because it's kind of the whole point of Bitcoin is to maintain those transactions agreeing with everybody. So, Aaron, I, I think I think your thread there is fantastic uh, to to go with. So, so how how do we change Bitcoin? So, let's say I want to change Bitcoin to be twenty two millions and one satoshi. If I wanted to change that, how would I go about doing it? Can, can I just offer a perspective here? I think um, I think it's important for us to remember, it's easy to forget that Satoshi did say, you know, the nature of the system is such that it's set in stone from, its, from the start of its life. Uh, and of course, we've all <clears throat> largely ignored that statement because we consider it ridiculous, right? Um, but he changed but, Bitcoin many times after that of too. Of course, well, he, he did, but he didn't intend to, right? I mean, well, he, but that's the nature yeah. of software, right? If you're trapped, yeah. But if if I could just like ex expand expand my point here, sure, is, go ahead. Is, is is that is that I'm I'm a little unusual in in this group of kind of Bitcoin intellectuals that we we're in, and we we talk about these kind of weird, obscure issues. I'm a little unusual in that I've always taken the position that it's fundamentally not uh, a human coordination that matters here. That to me, what Bitcoin is doing is addressing the fact that uh, the coordination of humans doesn't work for something like this, both, both because it's across of the entire planet and also because, you know, so a lot of people, but also because it's something so sort of sensitive and important. I mean, you, you know, you don't have accounts of people deciding what the properties of gold are, right? I mean, it, so so to me, um, you know, just, I mean, Sabo put it as, you know, social consensus doesn't scale and there's lots of different ways to say it, Dunbar's number, blah, blah, blah. And I think fundamentally, we, we, we should remember that perspective that uh, when we talk about the difficulty of how development and changes to Bitcoin occur, it's not because we haven't figured it out yet. It's because it's basically impossible. Okay, You cannot actually get human consensus at scale, and especially about things related, centrally related to some really important element of power. And so, you know, yeah, it did take four, uh, four years for Taproot to get in, and it probably took uh, SEPA like three days to code it. Uh, and all the rest of the time was us just waffling around talking rubbish yep. on the mailing list. Do you remember how, how many months we spent <laughs> arguing about, not about whether we should include Taproot, but about how we should arrange the coordination process to include Taproot, even though everyone wanted to include Taproot. I mean, it's, it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And I think, honestly, I honestly think that we just got to accept it's going to be absolutely shit trying to include any new features into Bitcoin. And we should really, really work hard on including features that are meta consensus layer that are not at the base layer consensus and accept that it, even, even if it isn't perfectly set in stone, it is software, it's nearly set in stone and it probably will be in the end. So I just want to address a couple of things here. One is, uh, I think the Taproot activation drama, which there was not a lot of drama for Taproot because Taproot is too fucking complicated for most people to understand. <laughs> so, and there was, you know, not a major anything changing in a way that affects most users or the, or the economic incentives, aside from the new found ordinals. <laughs> the, so the drama about activation was a hangover PTSD from the, the block wars and the UASF. You know, I, I think, and this is why I wanted to do the Mexican, Mexican send-off stuff and like talk about this, is because people don't understand that Flag Day, right? has nothing to do with votes. Bitcoin is not a democracy. Mm -hmm. There is no voting in Bitcoin. That when, when Satoshi said like, you know, one CPU, one vote, it was not meant in the democratic way. And, and humans are so, so uh, accustomed, so programmed 
to understand democracy that they can't understand meritocracies in, in terms of like, you know, power. Right. So it's not just like if you're very good shadow super colder, but also like you have economic power to have more sway, right, on, on which direction a protocol or set of rules go. And I, I just wanted to address one more thing. When you talk about no change, Bitcoin to me is so, so like interesting in the aspect that it is people, right? Because people are running the software and like gold, right? Like sure, people are going to dig, but you know, it's, it's already there. And Bitcoin's already there. 21 million are already there. Right. <laughs> we're, just, we're just digging yeah. it out, man. And then we find 22 million, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> don't just don't listen to Peter Todd. I mean, they just, just, that's know. right. Yeah, that's right. Don't listen to Peter Todd about <laughs> Ethereum emissions. That would be a whole other 10 hours episode. <laughs> so I guess I, I just wanted to address that. Like, I, I think maybe the reason why Bitcoin is so interesting is because if it, it struck this new unheard of dynamic where we have something that is like semi hard, right? Like it's kind of like you can't, you intend to not change it. There is no admin keys and everybody has to agree on that sort of like a hardness on that set of rules. That's very hard. So because we're humans, we're still going to try to change shit for the better, the worst, or because of need, right? Cause maybe computers change and you need to make the software different, right? So I, I think we have to accept, at least in my view, that Bitcoin will change even if it's just for gardening, right? Not new features. Uh, that's inevitable. But because we're humans, we're going to try to stick in new features in the gardening. So I just wanted to make that sort of like disambiguate some of this. Uh, so Aaron, I think you wanted to, to, to come in. So when we're talking about changing Bitcoin, I think there are a couple of different ways to sort of think about it or think about how that would happen in the future. So one way would be Bitcoin cannot change. And I think that's kind of what Adam alluded to. Or even if you think it can sort of technically change, it sounds like you think consensus would be needed and that's practically impossible because there's going to be too many people and you can trending find consensus. Towards, yes. Yeah, it's trending towards yeah. impossible. It's not impossible yet, but it's very close. Well, I mean, you're always going to find consensus if you need to fix a Linux, uh, a Unix yeah, yeah, date yeah, yeah. bug, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But even then we'll, we'll have arguments. And then I think, so, and we also can't do it democratically because there's no way to count votes, essentially. We can use hash power, I guess, but that's, that, that, that doesn't align with the economic incentives of users, they're not gonna upgrade regardless of what miners do, they will just produce invalid blocks, right? But I do think there are possible ways of upgrading Bitcoin by aligning incentives in other ways. And I do think using a flag day to essentially create a fork and then let the market figure it out, that's one way. And it can be very chaotic to do it that way and we don't want chaos, so it's not good in that sense, but I mean, my, my, I, I think prediction markets can solve a lot of that. Uh, we saw that with the fork futures back in the block size war days. So we had these fork futures, like if a fork happens, then we can sort of, you can start trading it today. So you can start trading between Segwit2x coins and Bitcoin proper today. And that will inform the miners of whether or not they should go along with this upgrade. So that's how you prevent chaos essentially. 
but I but that is a way of potentially upgrading Bitcoin, and especially if that's a software that like that, it it can lead to interesting. Let's address that a little bit. Yeah, I'm kind of skipping through the example maybe, but. Yeah, no, no, it's we can't get into very specific things, but like just addressing that a little bit. I, on the other hand, I prefer the game of chicken on a flag day and the chaos that comes with that. Because the problem that I have with prediction markets is that I'm a believer that predictions markets don't fully work and they can be gamed if they're not large enough. I want to first just point out, it doesn't matter what you like, prediction markets cannot be stopped. Yes, of course. Okay. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I no, I sure. completely agree. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, th- th- nobody decides which mechanism is chosen either, <laughs> which is kind of funny. You, you may find consensus in some uh, amount of economic actors and miners in the space that do follow a certain way of activating, but anyone is free to choose how they want to do it. And when I say I agree, disagree, I, I think I'm trying to allude to. I think that some people will follow sort of like this way, like a reasonable amount of people will follow this way, a reasonable peop- amount of people agree and will try. And, and I kind of saw that with UASF, it was easy to find like-minded individuals and sort of like coordinate and create groups that then become bigger groups. And then you find even bigger groups of mining miners and economic actors. So then you have to display to everybody else somehow, right? That this is your preference, which is also not trivial. So you have the soft stuff, right? Like wearing hats. And and it sounds funny, but that's played, in my view, a huge part on it. You are getting other humans who do have power. I think so, but I think that was only because we didn't have proper prediction markets. Like that, that was the best we had at that point. And that's why it sort of works, but we need to do better in the future is sort of my, like we can't keep relying okay, on that. Okay, so, so how do you see these prediction markets working? Very specifically? Yeah. Yeah, so essentially someone releases code and says from this date on, this is gonna be a new rule in Bitcoin. And then ideally there would also be code that says, no, we don't like that rule. So now, there, there's definitely going to be a split between these versions of the code, right? So you have two nodes and they will definitely in the future not be on the same chain because they're incompatible. So for example, one node says we're going to have taproot, the other says taproot transactions are not allowed. And then you're you're going to have a split, especially if you have like a hash power enforcement. So then, then you have you know, 51% or 95% of miners signaling that they're going to activate it. And then you have one, I, I'm, conf- you're not following me, are you? Should I start over? No, I, I am. I am. Uh, the, the, the issue that <laughs> okay, I so have the important, is... The important part is we're going to have two nodes that are definitely going to be inca- incompatible and therefore there will definitely be a split. And now you have an exchange where you can trade with other people between these two future coins. Right, it's just like a futures market in that sense. So now the market is gonna say, they're they're gonna signal through trading, we like Bitcoin with this new rule, or we don't like Bitcoin. We like Bitcoin without that new rule. So now you have a very clear market signal about what the market wants from Bitcoin. Will the market think that this new rule will improve Bitcoin, or will the market think that it will not? Okay. This is a very important signal, I think, and miners can use that to activate the software or don't activate it, for example. Right. 
so okay so that that answers my question when was uh you know is this part of the actual bitcoin protocol no right so you're not baking in a prediction market in bitcoin core that then somehow <laughs> takes you know from an oracle and blah 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 right i mean uh, we're I on the same page i mean if that would be possible i'd be interested to hear how but basically yeah, I, as a practical implement as a practical first top step of achieving something like this i would say no that's not necessary so one issue with that is you can have rug pulls there is no enforceability it gets it can get very messy if things don't go exactly right well do you mean the exchange can just steal money no i mean you can you can go and you can sort of like the exchanges now have a huge incentive to fake out the price or to to manipulate it somehow the price of these two tokens and we know exchanges are not honest right in a way and and hang on it gets worse right because you cannot have physical delivery of these futures because these tokens don't exist yet you also run into a problem where you know very easy to inflate and you know maybe they come honest right after the fact but then it's after the fact right uh, you you cannot you cannot redeem the truth of those tokens until after the fact. That's the problem with a futures market that you cannot have a spot delivery within or at the time frame. The other thing is we had that on BitMEX for Bitcoin versus Bitcoin Cash. That actually had decent signal to your point. Also on Bitfinex, yeah. With Segwit2x. Yeah. That's right. So, so you know, that does validate your point a bit, because it, but I think that's also true because one, it was very new. Nobody was prepared to try to fuck with it. And Bitcoin was a lot smaller in terms of economic actors and people who understood what was going on and, and all that stuff, right? So, so anyways, it's just my view is that prediction markets are great signal, but they can also cause a lot of damage because we can't trust the markets. So I guess my question would then be, first of all, what damage can they do? And second, what are you going to do about it then? Because that you can't stop it. Like this is something yeah, yeah. anyone can do. So no, but, but you, can, you can be vocal about it and try to convince other economic actors and other miners to not respect or not trust. You, you can FUD the market, right? You, you can create a lot of grief <laughs> uh, and you can, you can sway people, right? Look at the amount of people that lost money following... Craig Wright and following Roger Ver. I mean, it was not an insignificant amount of money who believed them and followed them who got completely wrecked. So, but concretely, you mean just tweet at miners? And, and I mean, no. so, so in that case, miners, w okay, so what then? Well, you, you, you go, you have meetings, you, you build the groups, you build economic alliances, right? Okay. Uh, for sure. example, say I'm an ASIC manufacturer, right? And like half the market is beholden to me. I can say, hey, listen, if you guys don't follow this, you don't get my ASICs, right? Like there's many ways to sway a market. If I'm SoftBank, uh, not SoftBank, uh, Silvergate, I can go and say, I don't like that fork. I can, you know, if you guys don't go and pre-buy the coins that of my fork on Binance or whatever, you know, you can't bank with me anymore. There's many ways for you to sway the market aside from just tweeting at people. Maybe, maybe let's take a step back. So I guess, do you want Bitcoin to never change? Is that your opinion? Or do you want Bitcoin to change, conform with what the market wants? So I have a very, very hypocritical view on this. <laughs> so like on a personal level, there is features I want, 
right? So I'd love for them to be included uh, as a human actor, right? And then I have the view that I, I don't want to see anything changing because there's many features that other people want that I don't want to ever happen, right? But then there is the middle ground, which is, I think, where we are and we're always going to be, where you have this gardening thing going on, where you're going to have features that are going to be less contentious that, that will get enough consensus to, to get in. And I may like them, I may not like them, and they're going to kind of happen because, you know, again, Bitcoin is maintained by humans, right? So I, I think my personal preferences are kind of re irrelevant. Well, exactly. But so I, so it's my sort of belief, I think that Bitcoin will evolve in whatever the way the market wants Bitcoin to evolve. Because I think every relevant actor, miners and users, want that. Users like it when the price of Bitcoin goes up. Miners like it when that happens. Miners like it when fees go up. Like I think it will sort of fundamentally go where the market wants. That's just my belief. And then the next point is, okay, how do we do that as safely as possible? So if you want Bitcoin to change in the direction that the markets wants it to change, then how do we do that as safely as possible? And I think prediction markets are an important part of that because I think prediction markets are the best way to predict what the market actually wants rather than, for example, us just sort of guessing or developers just sort of guessing like this is probably what we want and we'll just implement that. So I'd rather have the market inform so we can figure that we can make the transition to ch of changes as easy as possible. So because information is very asymmetric, right? And markets are not, are imperfect, right? I mean, I guess we all agree on that. Yeah, but there's probably the best we have. Oh, no, no, I, I, I'm not disagreeing. That's kind of my point. Yeah, okay. So I'm absolutely not disagreeing with you. I love the idea of having futures market being part of the process. And it's also outside of my control. It's going to happen anyways. People are going to bet right. in whatever ponies they want to bet, right? That's what I think. Yeah. But I think shitcoins are a great example where we have all this economic activity, right? That went elsewhere because, you know, somebody sort of like honeypot all these people to go there, right? But as these people try to come in, they're going to come in with a lot of other, one with economic weight that wasn't expected to different features and they may not be aware or may not care. You also can have economic actors coming, sorry, economic uh, uh, state actors with infinite money, at least with Bitcoin's relative economic capacity right now to sway these things as well. So I guess my only point is, yes, prediction markets are good. Yes, they're going to happen. I just don't think the weight we should put on them, at least as the people who run the software, who write the the blog posts, who write the articles, who create the education, should put too much weight on them. They, they don't have to, in my, in my sort of vision. In my vision, developers can just do what they think is best, and then the market will decide, and prediction markets will predict as well as possible what the market will ultimately decide. Let's run a thought experiment. To, to try to clarify this, um, mm -hmm. let's just say that I am I am the you know sovereign wealth fund of pick your country, and I pick mm -hmm. a feature, and that feature is maybe not uh, 
Ordinals. <laughs> Please, yes. <laughs> We're not going there yet. We're not going there yet. That's the you next know. episode, Adam. It, yeah. Let's just say that feature, you know, it's not going to change Bitcoin's fundamental properties, but it's, you know, hard to get in. Hard to get in. It, 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 it introduces perceived risk. It introduces perceived, you know, something. And they code it up and they, and they send in a pull request. Make a pull request. And they say, if you approve this, dear Bitcoin, we will buy $250 billion <laughs> of Bitcoin. <laughs> yeah, they do it on the features, right? They can literally do yeah, that. They, they want, they want something. They want yeah. something. They want, they want to be able to do something that I don't understand. And they say that, that our $250 billion buy order is dependent on inclusion and consensus across, across dear Bitcoin people. What do we Very do? reasonable. Very reasonable case. I, I think what's going to happen is, at least in my view, is you're going to have essentially on the social layer, right? People scrambling to one, understand, right? What could be the drawbacks of this? If it's worth $200 billion, because that would be nice. And then, see, of course, it's going to be evil in your case, because that's the fun of this case. Or scenario. not, or it's, un, it's okay. undetermined. But the, uh, and NVK, the reason I'm bringing this up is because I actually agree with your dev comment earlier. And this is why the devs have power is because we're going to be faced with decisions that we are, that I am ill-equipped to digest. I can't read their code and tell you what it does actually. Yeah, but the devs still won't decide. That, that question will no, not they, be decided by decide. the devs. The, 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 what, will happen is they, what will happen is the devs will say, go away, don't be ridiculous, and they'll have to make a fork. Okay, maybe they'll, they'll get a few devs, they'll pay them a lot of money and get some devs doing it, like, uh, like Roger Ver did back, back in the day. Well, what if they pay a lot of money to enough of them uh, to merge into uh, core? <laughs> I know it's, it's a straw well, man. Then users are not going to upgrade. Well, then everyone will see that. If it's, all, it's all happening transparently. We'll see it. If, it'll be obvious that there's corruption involved. I mean, people like me will say, Fuck you, if that happens. No, you know? I, I'm just steel manning his case here. Yeah. No, but I'm saying, what well, I'm, I'm, I'm not straw manning his case. I'm just saying, like, that, that'll be a fork. And then we might or might not have, you know, um, Aaron's prediction market. But it's kind of like, that's a meta layer thing. I mean, there will have Regardless. to be a decision, uh, all the actors in the, in the system, uh, as to whether they want that thing or not. Uh, it's not really... Well, exactly. Hmm. The market will decide, right? Uh, ultimately, the market yeah, will the decide devs, if we're going to use yeah. that coin. Like, do, does everyone agree that the market will decide if they're going to use that coin or not? Oh, 100 percent. Yes. The market decides all the time. The market decides yes. every minute about yes. everything, about right. all of these so, things. Yes. So we all, we all agree. So we all agree on that, right? But, and and yes, and yes, the the devs are not actually the ones who are who are upgrading my node, but mm. my ability to grok the change is mm. dependent on a broad network of people who have expertise that sit outside of mine. But you already had this case. Your, your, your scenario, we already had this exact case. In the, at the end of 2017, we had Juhan Wu, a massive amount of money, probably the most powerful man in Bitcoin, along with Roger Ver, who followed up behind him. And, uh, and we had exactly that case. Every single user was faced with a choice. And at one point, it was nearly 50-50 on hash power. We all had to decide, are we going to run Bitcoin Cash or are we going to run Bitcoin Core? And the market decided. I mean, as simple as that. But see, on that case, I think we were lucky that I think enough people saw that the short-term gain for the block size, right, in their view, was a long-term disadvantage for Bitcoin because of centralization, right? And that's not even getting to end bleed. But mm. the other thing, but though, I, is... I, I think we have a breakthrough, by the way, but I'll let you finish. Yeah. So, but, but, but in, in Harry's example here, the only way 
we if if this is truly an insane amount of money, right? Like relative to Bitcoin's, say say it's going to essentially ten x Bitcoin price, right? That put is ten x Bitcoin price, right? They're part of the market. That's kind of not sure. how markets work anyway. It doesn't. That's not how markets work. It doesn't matter how much money you you spend to buy. It doesn't actually change the value. People will just sell. I mean, into it. It's not. Well, let's let's just assume that. Let's <laughs> assume ten x is Bitcoin. Okay. Hang on. Yeah, ten x is Bitcoin, right? Okay. For okay. many different reasons, and we for can whatever. get into the economics of it later. But yeah. uh, let's say you know it's enough that you know it changes everybody's lives forever, right? So the incentives are very skewed, and everybody has a price. The the markets aren't the, the incentives aren't skewed. That these are the incentives, right? We we agree yes, that the yes, market decides exactly. Hundred percent agree. <laughs> right. But but the thing here is right. Like say for example, the miners go, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> You know, like I'm taking the 10x. Right? Like, I mean, listen, because like, you know, listen, a, a, a good chunk of the hash rate now is stock market like listed miners, right? And and they have a fiduciary duty to accept that fork. And most of them are bankrupt. <laughs> right? Uh, most of them bankrupt. Uh, yeah. you, you know, you have large, like, essentially, let's just assume the majority of the hash rate is going to probably go with it, mm-hmm. right? So now it's going to be up to the economic nodes, which are also going to 10x their bags, but see that Bitcoin as the uncensorable project is essentially going to be done in 20 years, right? Because it breaks in 20 years because of the the economic structure, right? It's going to be up to them to sway enough miners to stick with this fork so that, because see, even, even say, majority of the economic nodes that are non-miners say that they don't want to go with this, they're not in a predicament, right? Because they don't want to lose the hash rate. Of course, it's going to cause Bitcoin to lose some of the price, right? If the miners go with this and don't go with the economic nodes because the economic nodes are effectively dumping. Well, no, the assumption was the price would go 10x, right? So you yeah, can't well, you go 10x, get rid of that assumption. <laughs> well, it gets tricky, right? Because you're going to have the economic nodes depending on the quantity of them dumping, right? Because they're essentially not following that fork and they could just dump that fork. That's what happened to Bcash, right? People that didn't go ended up just dumping their Bcash right away it because it was a higher price. You know, it, it gets very no, tricky. But you're, you're, but assuming, you're assuming opposing things. You're assuming mm, that the price will go 10x and way. the price will also go down. Which is but remember how possible. long it took for a lot of people to be able to dump their Bcash as well, right? So you could find yourself in a position as an economic node where for the time period that you have the capacity of spending that coin, it's not in your favor. I mean, I think if I want to steal man your uh, sure. example, you're saying that the, some scenario could occur where a change to Bitcoin would temporarily pump the price, but then it would collapse. Is that yeah. sort of what you're suggesting? Yeah. yeah. We saw, again, that's exactly what happened. Well, it, what do you mean? It never went 10x, that's for sure. Or, or at least in that case, I'm not sure what you're referring to. No, 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 I know, I know. We're exaggerating the numbers. But you did have a pump and a dump that happened during the, the Seg2x, right? Well, it's, the point is that there was a fork there, so there were two th- different things. No, but there were two different things, right? Bcash did have a pump and a dump, right? So it, it, it's, yeah. it's a really, this whole example is so really like <laughs> contrived and difficult to sort of, yeah, it, it, it reminds me very much of a, of a question that was raised on Bitcoin talk about 10 years ago or something like that, 
where it was like, well, what would you do if the government came along and said to every Bitcoin holder, we'll pay you a hundred thousand dollars? I remember ever. that. You remember? Yeah, everybody yeah. Bitcoin. Of course, a lot of people were just like fanatics and they were saying, I don't care if it's 10 million, I'm not giving them one single Bitcoin, <laughs> you know, which is kind of funny. Yeah, it's an interesting thought experiment. It's an important mental yeah, exercise is, because yeah. we are early Bitcoiners, right? Like a lot of us are here despite the price, right? Like a lot mm. of us are here. Yeah, we love the, the price and it's important to our lives because that's how we pay our bills. But a lot of people here are in it for the long, long term and wants the properties that Bitcoin has for self-sovereignty, right? But I think as Bitcoin uh, waters down, right, in, in sort of like belief and in strength of belief, right? As new people come in who just care about the price, because they're too busy trying to work two jobs and you know do whatever the fuck they want. I think that that's going to get watered down and we're not going to have as much as a hold against simple short-term choices because of price. And that's going to change the dynamic a bit. So does that mean you don't believe Bitcoin has a future or what, what are you saying? I think it does have a future. I kind of... You know, well, I mean, Bitcoin, <laughs> but, it, but it can be hijacked or it can be. I, I think the problem is if we have a very structured way of handling Bitcoin, structure things get gamed. Yes. Right. And I think chaotic things are much harder for uh, large entities with a lot of power, that being economic violence or whatever, is much harder for them to handle chaos. Right. That's. The reason why you know terrorists do what they do, right? Like no, they but, go around making a big mess. I mean, Rodolfo, you can't be you, you can't be arguing against uh, Aaron's uh, prediction markets because as, as it's been established, there's nothing to discuss. We can't stop them if they happen. No, I, I'm not arguing I, against I personally it. Think, I personally think the significance of those prediction markets will tend to only be important in cases like the Bcash drama, where it was a real like very uh, aggressive split, you know? If we're just talking about Adversary, some software yeah. upgrade, yeah, if we're just talking about some software upgrade like Taproot, I mean, I'm not really sure that, I mean, nobody really had a prediction market with Taproot, right? I mean, who cares? You could if you want, I mean. But see, even under extreme, uncontentious, small amount of people in Bitcoin, we couldn't find a reasonable way of activating a future, a feature, mm -hmm. right? It was still messy, was still fully contentious, yeah. and we couldn't do it. And, and in my view, that's a feature. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> the fact that we cannot find consensus easily is a good thing. It's how we defend Bitcoin against sort of like majority attacks. Let's put it this, this way. This is the biggest intellectual split. I mean, if you look at like the Ethereum crowd, for example, they'll just laugh at this conversation. To them, that's <laughs> that's just the opposite of the truth. To them, their great success as a project is their ability to move fast and actually come to decisions and do things. And they laugh all the time at Bitcoin as, because of this. And yet there are people who are perhaps, in my opinion, slightly deeper thinkers who, like you say, actually think of it as it's actually somewhat of a feature. We need it to be very sticky, very inertial, Set in stone, as the old saying goes. Yeah, I agree with that. You also agree that the market will ultimately sort of yes. decide, right? Yes, but the market so, will decide that it likes something with a lot of inertia. That's my, my theory. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, I think that's completely plausible. Yeah, I think that's totally possible. Well, it's not just plausible. It's, 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 it's required. I mean, it's just logical. It's, to, it's almost tautological, right? The market is deciding all the time. There's, there's no discussion right. there. I mean, right. Adam, you know, it's funny you brought the word inertia because... You know, I was just thinking like recently that like I think Bitcoiners miss inertia, economic inertia, political inertia, social 
sort of like customs inertia greatly, right? Like people don't seem mm. to understand that there is 8 billion people in the world going on a mm. direction, right? It's the MMT fiat direction. Everybody's bags mm. depend on that working and not breaking. <laughs> Everybody's water system depends on everything in your life, right? Depends on fiat not breaking. So that that's part of the reason why Bitcoin adoption is always going to be extremely painful, volatile and and like and slow, right? Because you're going to just chip off people. You cannot turn that ship again because of inertia, right? So Bitcoin now has this Lindy, has this inertia, right? That's starting to build. Mm-hmm. And, and that's its, its biggest defense in the future is it's somewhat ossification, right? Like is the fact that like, if you have enough people for long enough time believing that 21 million should be the limit of Bitcoin, it's likely to remain that way, right? Nothing is for sure, even in Bitcoin, right? Because it's a software change away, as long as everybody agrees. So if we all agree that the market will decide one way or the other, ultimately, then what would you guys suggest is the best way to figure out what the market wants? That's a very hard question. Mm. It's a very, very hard question. <laughs> well, I well I have so my answer would be prediction markets or futures markets, right? That's my answer, which can't be stopped as we mentioned. But if hmm. you have a bet, like, what's a better idea then? What's a better way of figuring out what the market wants? Because I don't think it exists. I think it'll be very messy. I think there is not a simple solution. It's always going to be the temperature of the drama at the time, right? Which is the level of contention. No, it's not just Twitter, right? It's the mailing list, it's IRC. It's, listen, at the end of the day, Bitcoin is a bunch of people. Yeah, but, right? no, but I don't think... No, it's not. That's, <laughs> it's absolutely not. It's it, like it saying is. gold is a bunch of people because a bunch but, of but, people use gold. It's not the no, case. No, but you can't change the software on gold. Yeah, you can't change the software, but I mean, you could, you know... I, I, I just had an example in my head, I think it was pretty good. We talked about 20, 21 million limit a few times, and I think the reason... Perhaps, perhaps Satoshi's wisdom on that point, which is something that people often discuss, is like, why did he make it like every four years halving and all the rest of the time? Why isn't it continuous? He's like, he, he chose a very, very simple supply schedule. And I think it's yes. like that, that thing of uh, the coordination Humans can problem. count bananas. Humans yeah. cannot count like exponentials, right? <laughs> yeah, exponentials, right. Yeah. Um, what's the name of that thing? The, the shelling point. You know, the, this thing mm-hmm. about like 21 million is the shelling point, And it's very, very undeniable, this shelling point, not only because it hasn't changed for so long, but because it's such a very simple construct, you know, very, it's literally just a number rather than, you know, 1% divided by the CPI of blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. And when we'd all argue about it all day and we wouldn't know what the answer was in the end, there would be no shelling point there, right? So so I, I'm saying this partly, it's not really an answer, but partly an answer to, to Aaron's point about what's better than than actual markets like prediction markets. I mean, I'm not, well, I, I think the, I think the also, question doesn't really arise, but, but to the extent I, it might be a little bit of a commentary on that is using shelling points in situations where there literally is no possibility of full scale human coordination is maybe the only thing you can do. Very, very simple rules. Yeah, it's, a, yes. it's, the, Nash, it's the Nash equilibrium argument. But but right. there's but there's a second there's a second layer to this which is like if you think of of what part of an economic system or a or a I guess an economic system that that, that Rodolfo's Mexican standoff sits on right it's the it's the coordinator to move balance from A to B 
right? The, the, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a replacement of a trusted third party moving yeah. a number in a database. And so what are the dynamics by which that third party is removed and, and persistently removed? Um, and so, you know, if you follow the money in the Bitcoin system, there's sort of the economic node, there's a waterfall. Um, and there's sort of a very direct waterfall where the, the economic nodes making choices about software that gets priced by the market, right? That's sort of the, the first line in, in the system. And then the second is that, is that, you know, we foolish miners, you know, should have just been economic nodes instead, but we've, we've spent a lot of today purchasing power in exchange for a future stream of Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. And we we believe that the the our ability to achieve a future stream of Bitcoin is more valuable than the today purchasing power that we that we expend um, in order to achieve that. And so, therefore, as a going concern, we expect there to be some amount of purchasing power by which we both pay off the Bitcoin value that we've spent already and be able to fund our obligations, you know, on a going forward basis. Cause we sign, you know, we signed five to 10 year power contracts. I, I got to pay those bills every month. Those show up every month. There's no, no way out. Um, and I've also passively opted in to a hardware upgrade cycle as difficulty makes some units, um, unprofitable within, within the lifespan of that same contract. So I've signed up to spend a, a lot of money to generate a future stream of Bitcoin. And then that's layer, that's sort of the second, the second um, economic participation piece. And then the third is that, you know, there's, there's a bunch of developers who, you know, they're also participating in sort of that, that economic first layer node, but, you know, they've got to convince um, other economic nodes that their contribution to the gardening function is worth altruism. And the altruism is a function of maintaining the existing purchasing power of their economic role. Hmm. Yeah. Um, if, if you don't mind, I, I, I actually, I think I have like an interesting point for you, Adam, on the gold part. Hmm. Like gold had 5,000 years, right? Of like a solid, solid go at it, right? And then in an instant, like history size, right? It was actually an instant. The MMT guys killed gold. Mm, no, but hang on. That, that kind of debasement happened many times in history. No, no, I, I know. But when you look at the size, right, like how, like, you look at like the, the, the true major gold done kind of thing, right, is when like the real modern fiat started. Right? It, it's, it's like it's a massive difference versus the other drops. Uh, and also, like, just look at the size of the economic like capacity of the world at the time that the massive drop happened for the, for the gold to fiat happen. So anyways, I'm just, just because you have something that is hard, it doesn't mean that humans are not going to try to change it and may not, and, and we'll be successful at changing it too for short term gain. Right. So I guess like, that's just like a long winded road to, to just sort of like, understand that Bitcoin is still sort of like, um, it's still very experimental, no, um, sensitive to, to those, to those dynamics, right? Like you can still like, because you still have people, I guess that was my point. It's still people because even though the asset may be like super hard or whatever, it's the people who use the asset 
right? It's the people who choose to use the asset. They're all irrational actors, right? And you have like state actors participating on this who manipulate things, even though Bitcoin itself may be a little bit safer, right? It's actually kind of interesting now that I, I just noticed because I gave like free options to change Bitcoin earlier and it seems we actually <laughs> have all positions represented on the panel. Because one option was Bitcoin basically can't change, which is what Adam has been arguing. And then option two is Bitcoin can change through consensus, which actually seems to be what Rodolfo is arguing, because you're saying it's people and they can discuss over mailing lists and that kind of stuff. And then I'm saying, I think it's just the market and prediction markets are the best predictor of that. So Bitcoin can change and we can use prediction markets to figure out how it will change and should change and and by doing that we can make the change as smooth as possible so we don't have change splits in the air right i i am i right so it seems we have all i, I think so uh, i think but you know it's funny i think we're all right <laughs> but it also depends what the definition of bitcoin is right it depends what the definition yeah. of bitcoin is right because like if you say oh it can change and all you really mean is well they've just like done an implementation of some ecdsa speed up well, I mean, technically, the Bitcoin core code has changed, but has Bitcoin changed because of the EC to say verification change? I think we're talking about consensus changes. Yeah, specifically okay, which blocks. That's true. Consensus changes. Which blocks yeah. will you accept? Yeah. So if we if we change like 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 that, that a big controversial recent thing about TapScript, right? If we change yep. from this many bytes to that many bytes are allowed in a transaction. I mean, is that really a because that's the that kind of thing is the, well, it is no it's that is consensus yeah it mm. is consensus yeah. like because if you don't agree with that you literally fork off yeah right no, but I'm also thinking that it matters in like resource usage which is one of which well was it does it has an economic consequence to people yeah. right now we have an incentive for people to use Taproot finally mm. <laughs> 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 they're not using Taproot for what people wanted it to be they're using it for JPEGs at a discount <laughs> right like. I mean, like, mind please blown. Don't, right? Please don't propagate this bullshit about how it increases the amount of data you can put on the blockchain. Okay? No, please. no, no, it, it doesn't. No, no. <laughs> See, I, I don't know why people think that. Yeah, well, well, I've had like 20 people on Telegram ask me that in the no, last but two, I, what, three days. But I think it's, I mean, one, the ordinal inscriptions is absolutely brilliant. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Like, absolutely I'm actually brilliant. really against it. I'm actually really against it for a totally different reason than everyone else, I think. It's because it propagates the idea that Satoshis exist, which is extremely dangerous, in my opinion. <laughs> the, the fungibility argument yeah, is, is most yeah. reasonable. I mean, there's a guy called yeah. Ross Anderson, an academic here in the UK, who wrote, about four or five years ago, he wrote a paper trying to argue that Bitcoin should be treated as FIFO, as in first in, first out. Yes. Which is not only bullshit, because obviously that's not true when you actually look at the construction of a coin join, but it's also extremely dangerous. He's deliberately trying to make it so that you can track every single person. It's no, it's also, code. it's for taxes, right? He wants yeah, everybody yeah. to get dinged to taxes. Yeah, yeah, taxes and, and tracing just generally, yeah. Just evil, profoundly evil. Yes, but my point, I guess, is, <laughs> sorry. you know, we have a contentious thing now caused by a change yeah. that was uncontentious, and that, that changes incentive dynamics, right? Like it, it is really amazing and it affects everyone. And it's also one of those things that agree or disagree that transactions are valid, mm -hmm. fully valid, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, and that's why I'm okay with it because it is a valid transaction, right? I may be not okay and I find it stupid <laughs> uh, to waste block space with JPEGs, but you know, like miners are getting paid for empty block mm -hmm. space.
mm-hmm. right? Uh, so now they have an incentive to maintain that that way. So I guess it just goes like, it, it's such a complex thing, right? Like you pull a tiny little thing and everything else rejigs. I, I guess like I'm kind of like losing my train of thought here on uh, on where Can we I should ask go. you a question? I have a question. And I'm, you know, I'm the youngest to Bitcoin and least technical on this call. So I'm just going to ask more questions because I have you here. Um, <laughs> you know, we talk about what is Bitcoin definitionally, because I, I think a lot about sort of like further descri- describing a narrower space as sort of the development cycle for Bitcoin rather than trying to expand the space or, you know, broaden, right? This is not an exercise in broadening. It's typically an exercise in in sort of deepening and that we we are sort of bringing further detail within the same, you know, walled garden. Is there room there, you know, if we if we think of sort of the walls of the garden as 21 million and uh, sort of the the ease with which full nodes are, are able to be propagated across the world or, you know, wh- how would you think of sort of the walled garden of, bit, of that is Bitcoin? And then what would you be willing to do from a, a further description within those four walls or not? Um I'm not sure if I understand. Is anyone, uh, Rodolfo or Adam, are you sure that you understand the questions? Otherwise, no, I will sort no. of try to steal man the question. I, I, got a, I got a vague idea, but I didn't fully understand it. Yeah. we. No one's changing 21 million. Mm-hmm. What are other things that are just unchangeable? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, other properties mm-hmm. that are just yeah. unchangeable? You know, we, we, did, we, we rejected 2x, but we accepted SegWit. So what does that mean? Well, we mm-hmm. really got 4x. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think the, the block size is not going to change, even though I'd love to be 300 kilobytes. <laughs> just me and Luke Jr. <laughs> and every but, uh, No, but like, I, I don't think the block size is going to change anymore. It's very unlikely. Very Nothing is impossible, very unlikely. I think... A lot of the opcodes that that we have uh, are not going to be taken away anymore. We we're going to have a conversation next week about op vault, uh, which is interesting to me, but I also still find it unlikely to get activated. Drive chains unlikely to get activated. These are all things that don't fundamentally change Bitcoin, like the walls of the garden. But they do change the incentives within Bitcoin because, you know, anything you change changes everything, right? Like it's, it's kind of what happened to the ordinals. I think it's so a really good question. Maybe, that there's, sorry, go, go ahead, Aaron. Well, I was going to take a step back. If you want to answer this question specifically, Adam, maybe you should go first. Yeah, I mean, I, I, can't, I, I, I do want to try, but I, I would emphasize that I can't answer the question. It's a very good question. And, uh, you know, if you, if you go back to the white paper, you, you just have very little in the way of specification. I mean, it's not, it's not a technical specification at all. Uh, 21 million wasn't even in it. I would say there's a couple of things that sort of stand out in my mind as things that might be considered walls, but I don't think there is any consensus on this point, which is really gets to the heart of why it's so difficult to have these discussions and change anything. But but what one example might be, we had a long discussion starting in 2015, going through to maybe 2017 about confidential transactions. It was a technology that was developed and it, it works and it got deployed in other blockchains, but it never got deployed in Bitcoin and we never even got like a, like a proposal of, to do it. Why? I think it's because there there might be an unspoken um, like principle that was kind of established during those years and wasn't even thought about in the early years was that encrypting any element of like what constitutes transactions is verboten. Even if, it, even if you've got solid, what you consider solid cryptographic proof that the amounts that being transferred in transactions are, are they add up to zero or they add up to the mining fee. 
it's not good enough uh, that we are not prepared to accept a situation that has occurred, in fact, in Zcash and sort of half occurred in Monero, but didn't really, where because of, of crypt cryptographic error, you, you're getting transfers where there, there could be inflation and you'll never know whether it happened or not. So it, funnily enough, the, the only example I could come up with that wasn't the 21 million limit is implicitly directly related to the 21 million limit. Yep. Auditability. Yeah, auditability, yeah. You know, I have a, a sort of like a rule of thumb like on, I, I think the narrative for Bitcoin that got built after the paper was released slowly, and and sort of got very strengthened is uh, everything in Bitcoin serves the pleasure of store of value, mm -hmm. right? It, it's the and, and and that was the original goal in my view is that you know you replace central banks, right? So if you're replacing central bank, the 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 core true function is unit of account. Right, but not unit of account versus dollars, but like or value, not unit of account. Exactly, right? So the idea is Bitcoin says I'm deflationary, right? And and an easier way to do that is by having a fixed final supply, right? And any feature that could hinder that or any feature that's added in benefit of that. And if you look at the majority of things that have been done in Bitcoin, they 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 follow those rules. It's either for us to just secure the money better, B2SH, right? So multi-sig, all this stuff. You never had the sort of like financialization features, right? Because those don't really further the goal of being a central bank, right? That's like a second layer thing. That's sort of like what people want to do with the hard money. But like the idea is like, can we make a hard money be very hard? And if you're going to have any feature that could in add inflation, well, let's not even look into it. I, I think yeah, so. I think you could actually disagree with your point, and I, I think you could make the argument that the central like thesis of the system was resistance to state level attack, resistance to any form of attack by means of decentralization. And you could argue that the reason he wanted the system to have that property is so that you could have a proper, properly reliable store of value. But I think that that is possibly yeah, but see, debatable. Adam, if, like, you, if you actually read what he says, it's kind of. I think it's kind of clear that he's, he's focused, he, he almost, like, he's several times mentioned like earlier systems, not just eGold, Nikash yep. systems, also uh, Napster, BitTorrent and so on, the change between those two. And he said, look, clearly that the, the main thing we need is the property that it, it doesn't have any central point of failure and it cannot be attacked even by a right. state of attacker. But you can just use bananas instead. Right, like you can yeah. use potatoes instead. The the well, key no, here can't. is no, but you literally can't. Right, you can't have that property unless it's a, a purely digital decentralized network. There's no other kind of system that can have that. Property. That has a that has a known supply. Otherwise, you could have runaway inflation. Has a known between. supply, yes, but not necessarily yeah. a deflationary one. Right. Not necessarily a fixed one. Not necessarily twenty one million and so on. Right, but see, we don't have a good way of guaranteeing a supply if it's not fixed. You look at Ethereum; they just keep on changing the rules because the rules can be changed. No, but that's changing. But that's the difference between changing and being and and being like having increasing supply over time. But change is relative to your pile at the mm. the window that you have of time for trade, right? Yeah. So, uh, you know, if they if they decide to change more, then now you have actual inflation, right? Like that's like noticeable inflation. I think a one percent per year increase, like in they have in Monero, would be reasonable. But if it was like such that it was an accelerating supply over time, then that would be that would be ridiculous. <laughs> no, but but see. It's a slippery slope problem, right? Like uh, if, you, if 
Yeah, it is. Like, I mean, it totally is because, you know, in 50 years from now, people are just going to go like, well, why don't we change you 2%? It makes no difference anyway. It's just 2%. People are saying it right now in Bitcoin, tail emissions, even though we still have a fixed number. I know. So, but, you know, it's, I, it, it, but, but see, like you have not just the technical marker of 21 million. It's like, it's, it's the psychological marker of 21 million. It's immutable in its yeah. hardness. Right, it's sim- like I was saying earlier, it's the simplest shelling shelling point, just one fixed number. Yeah. Sorry, Aaron. Sorry, go ahead. You you wanted to. Uh... Yeah. So this, I think this is sort. This kind of gets of, at the heart of a lot of what we've been discussing, and Adam uh, suggested it before as well, and it kind of answers Harry's question as well. So I think the most important question is what what is Bitcoin? So if there is a split in the future as there has been in the past, then if we value this 21 million limit, then in case of a split, which 21 million is the 21 million? So what is sort of the the most core definition of Bitcoin or the most philosophical way of looking at Bitcoin in that sense? Do you, I mean, no, I can't give a- sort of my answer, but do you have an idea of that? Like what, what resolves the dispute for what is Bitcoin? Is it the price, for example? Is it the, the one that's worth the most? I don't think it's the price in a very narrow window. I think it is what the people at the time wanted to be. I know it's an unsatisfactory <laughs> answer, but I really think it's that because- But what if the people are, are split? That's the point of a split, right? Well, then you're gonna have two Bitcoins. So then we don't have 21 million? No, you still have to, 21 million won't change. You're going to have two 21 millions. <laughs> Say both sides. Well, that's, that's that's more than 21, isn't it? No, no, but but now it's two separate Bitcoins, right? Mm-hmm. You have the forks. That's that's what happened to BSV or whatever. So there is no so there is no definition of Bitcoin. There is no way of determining that in your mind. There it's is no immutable there is no immutable definition of Bitcoin because Bitcoin is going to be what the people want to use. In my opinion, even if they don't want to use the same thing, and they call—I mean, that—that that sounds like a failure mode to me. There, right? I think it is a failure mode, but I also think that hash rate is the closest we have. I mean, accumulated hash power in the blocks is the closest we have to a final yeah. arbiter. I know that is finally re- not really the arbiter for different forks. I know, but 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 I mean, it's the closest thing we have. Otherwise, you could just say it's a failure mode. I agree. Listen, if your definition of Bitcoin is is the coin that has the most amount of security. Yeah. Right. Distributed I mean, to a certain yeah. period, then that that's the definition. Then, personally, so even, I like if, the definition. So even if it doesn't have the twenty-one million limit, see that's the thing. Good now point, you're gonna, have, you know, it's a very good point. I thought I thought your question was to both of them using the same, but yeah, you have a very good point. Yeah, I think it's a very good point that I don't have a good answer. So I, my my closest answer that I've sort of come to in my own mind is. So the, so the first part of the answer is Bitcoin is whatever people agree is Bitcoin. <laughs> now that's a, that, well, that's a circular answer, I know. That's why mm. there's a second part to the answer. <laughs> so the first part is circular. Bitcoin is whatever people agree is yep. Bitcoin. If people don't agree on what is Bitcoin, mm. then we'll have to sort of trace back to when we did agree on what was Bitcoin and then whatever is compatible with that. That, to, in my mind, is then Bitcoin. So that's why mm. what we call Bitcoin today, in my philosophy is Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash is not because even Bitcoin Cash people 
at one point they agreed that Bitcoin had this one megabyte limit. They, so at least they agreed that that was Bitcoin at that point, and their <laughs> protocol that what they're using is not compatible with that, and what we're using is compatible with that. So 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 for me, it's sort of the it, it, it the, the wow. deal the. What what resolves the dispute is sort of the backward compatibility. So it's a regression analysis on the features, but not the hash rate. It's it's a backward compatibility argument. Yeah, so I am a fan of the backwards compatibility. I think it's you know it's Bitcoin's sort of like nearly best feature because otherwise you break the nodes, right? It's it, if Bitcoin is doing its thing right, you know you are backwards compatible. The the question is though, like if you had, I, I still love that question. Like if you had to choose, right, going forward, right, are you picking the one of the most security or are you picking the one of twenty one million? What if everybody that mm, has the know. most amount of security and economic mm. capacity goes into twenty one million? Or no, let's not even talk about economics for a second. Like people can use whatever they want. It's just uh, they can use altcoins. But uh, but I'm just talking about what I would consider Bitcoin. So, what so, I would consider the twenty one million coins. That's all my philosophical uh, idea answers. So 21 million with no security is the real Bitcoin. And uh, 22 million with security is not Bitcoin. Would that be? Yeah, I, w- I would call that mm-hmm. something else. Yeah. What if I find a way to do that with a mm. soft fork? So it is backwards compatible. Um, in that case, then probably yes. Then in, in that case, I would pro- if it's backwards compatible, then... In- that that would be Bitcoin, even in my in my mind, in that sense. Heretic. I think so. <laughs> so no, Heretic. I mean that's this why these questions are very very hard. That's <laughs> the that's the finest line of the of the question, which is yeah. if we were able to do if we were able to introduce inflation via soft fork, mm. what happens then? Yeah, but see, this is this is exactly the the issue here is, and this is why I keep on banging back on the point that whatever the people want at the time is likely to be the Bitcoin. Because I know it's a little circular, but, you know, at the end of the day, like some smart motherfucker is going to find a way of putting dick butts that add one extra million, you know, in Bitcoin with a soft fork, right? Like humans are incredibly smart given enough time. This is why I think the tail emission discussion is pointless, because I think that you, you just got zero chance of a successful upgrade to Bitcoin that, um, that changes its emission schedule at all. Zero. Yeah, and 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 also that makes a bunch of assumptions of the fact that we may need it. We don't, in my view. Yeah, I mean, I think that's f- false as well. But I mean, that's an argument. But there's no point arguing about that, in my opinion. I I agree. There's no point arguing, but that's only because I think someone should just try it, and we should have prediction <laughs> markets to to figure out if that's what the market wants. <laughs> right. <laughs> and and I suspect the market doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. I suspect so as well. Not we don't we don't even want it. I, I think well, I we think are the market, that, right? <laughs> but I, I think people are a lot more swayable than maybe you guys like to believe. I think that with enough propaganda, enough like sort of like people to people engagement, you can sway a market. No, but it's the distinguishing feature, isn't it? What, 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 what I, think, I think it's the hardest thing yeah. to sway. Yeah, it's a distinguishing feature. Yes. What I really know is talking to like ordinary people who got into Bitcoin in the last few years. They're not technical. The one thing I've always noticed about them is that whenever this topic comes up, it's like, oh yeah, that's the point, isn't it? It's 21 million. That's the thing yeah. that everyone knows, even if they don't know anything else. So you know. what if we scale back? Let's not talk about the fence of the garden, right? It's 21 mm. million. 
what about other features inside that could have monumental mm. impact in mm. Bitcoin's dynamic, like the block size, mm. right? Or, you know, like for example, covenants. Mm. That, that was so, yeah. so check, template, verify, right? That was a fantastic example. Mm. So I feel a little guilty example. about that one because uh, I met Jeremy in uh, Miami in person and I spent mm. like, I don't know, like three hours talking to him, walking <laughs> around, explaining to him UASF. And I think he got the wrong idea. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I think that, um, you know, again, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant human yeah. uh, came up with something that could actually have no impact on Bitcoin. We don't, uh, we don't know. That stuff is just way too complicated in recursion, right? So... It's so hard to predict how this thing will play out economically in incentives that I think a lot of people balked, right? And, and also was a little too aggressive on how it was activated. But again, like this is a single brilliant dev trying to sway people to go activate something that's super complicated. But if he had like went around, shopped around his idea, gotten enough actors, right, to try to convince others, he, I think, had a good chance of getting that thing in. I think, I, I yeah, go, go ahead. I mean, I've, I, I'm, I'm gonna, re, I'm gonna become repetitive at this point. So I'm just gonna mm -hmm. say, it. but I said this at the time. I think it, people, maybe Jeremy, maybe someone else. I would be cool with someone just forking Bitcoin as a software, putting it in, and letting the market decide if they want it or not. That's, I think, that's the only path forward. And I expect the market will mostly just don't want any changes. So I'm with Waxwing, Adam on that one, but I, I don't mind people trying i don't think it's a bad thing if people want to try that oh i agree with you like i'm a uasf maximalist i like the idea of people going out there making a change to the client trying to get buy-in right in the in the in the soft people layer and if enough people are into it like you get a shot right because it's again you go back to the game of chicken i was sort of suggesting on the beginning it's very hard to get out of that like miners don't have a way out of that if there is enough economic nodes on that because they're going to start mining blocks that have no economic value. But again, that's massive chaotic. Yeah, I'm not I'm not scared of that at, at all, really. Or I think it's unavoidable. People can do it, and I don't. Think and they will. It's really, and they will. And I don't think it's really a problem. Most forks will probably be ignored. Yeah. So isn't the more interesting question then why doesn't it happen in the way that you outline, Aaron? Like why 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 didn't, for example, CTV have a a fork plus a prediction market and everyone, I mean, as you say, it could, nobody can stop you. So why didn't it happen? I mean, we discussed it for like years. Like, I mean. I guess there wasn't enough uh, political will from certain people to do that. That's that's what it looks like. But why? I don't know, because the market doesn't want it badly enough or because it doesn't solve enough problems or, I mean, I don't know why. I think, in my opinion, is just that there wasn't enough. Uh, he was not skilled to play the politics of convincing enough people to start getting a little bit of traction mm. to then sort of like start encompassing more, chewing more of the of the market conversation around it in favor, not against it. It, it goes back to this thing where it's like, it, you know, <laughs> people can sway people, mm. even if it's not economically perfect or, or even if the majority of the economic nodes are not there yet. So it, the timing of when this prediction market sort of like begins, not that in our control matters a lot, right? Because when, when that, there is a launch for that, right? Where that opinion is, is often to define how the market sort of goes. Is the prediction market a part of the hard fork ecosystem much more than it is the soft fork ecosystem? 
no, you can use it in both. You can use yep. it in either. It's just that hard forks are a lot scarier. And there's two tokens. So it's easier to settle. Well, no, that can happen with the soft fork as well. Yeah. In fact, if you want to have a proper prediction market, then you should actually explicitly make That's sure right. that the software creates a fork. Yes. Mm. Well, it's safer uh, for everybody. When I say, when I say make sure it creates a fork, yes. I don't mean an actual fork. I mean a virtual fork. That yeah. hopefully <laughs> doesn't actually happen. That's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> nice and clear, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, guys, uh, yeah, I mean, th th that, was, uh, that was fun there. I mean, I, I guess we still don't have a, a consensus on Mexican standoff or not. Well, one more thing about the CTV and why it didn't happen. So, well, actually, I'm not going to be able to answer that because I don't know why it didn't happen. <laughs> I, my best guess is there wasn't a political will. But I will point out that but because you said Jeremy maybe wasn't convincing enough or something like that, that would be unfortunate if that was the case. Like, it would be better if the code speaks for itself, right? Regardless of how convincing or how charming he is. And we've seen with Segwit, for example, that, you know, the person deploying the USF code was not the same person as who wrote it. Like, they, these didn't, don't need to be mm -hmm. the same people at all. But before he wrote that code, before... What was his name again? Shaolin Fry or...? Yeah, Shaolin Fry uh, released the code. He got a lot of buy-in. USF, yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of buy-in. There was a lot of politics done behind the scenes. It was very, very, very intense networks of people trying to convince each other and sort of like get more people to buy in, right? It's, it's, a, it's a big effort. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's ne necessary, but um, in the end, no one did it yet. There's no CTV UESF yet. No one has done it. It could still happen, right? The reason that dynamic of Shaolin Fry and UASF and all that happened in 2017, of course, is because of that sense of an existential threat. There's no sense of an existential yeah. threat with CTV. It's just like some, to most people, so it's, it's this unintelligible, weird technical thing. I mean, I remember reading that BIP and like, then just starting again and reading it again and reading it again because I didn't, I didn't get it at first. And that's separate from the whole question of how a covenant works, which is, I've tried to explain it to non-technical people before. It's very difficult. It's, it's a very abstract concept. So you're not, you're not going to get massive like buy-in. It's not like, oh, Bitcoin's under attack. Let's bring in CTV. I mean. <laughs> so here's not. the thing then. A lot of people claim that, you know, if you don't get buy-in, from the the what they call the, the you know the overlords of Bitcoin dev, mm. you know the main names. Let's put it mm. this way: the famous in ones, Bitcoin, yeah. right? Mm. The famous ones. Mm -hmm. If you don't get buy in from them, you know you're not going to happen. But if you do get buy in from them, it gets shoved in and it goes through, mm -hmm. just like Taproot. Mm -hmm. I'm but not saying that it's but true. The USF didn't have buy in from them. The USF, well, they were all against that. The big names were all against the UASF. And, and they were against I mean, UASF, but, they, but yeah. hang on. They were against UASF as an activation method, but they were not against the intent of the USF people, mm -hmm. which was to keep the block small, right? So, well, or to include Segwit, right? There was still an unholy alliance there, right? Yeah. Ultimately, there was still an agreement on the goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah which is the most important part, really. But then, like, how do we address this? Because there's a lot of people who think that Taproot got accepted because all the core important people liked it. Mm -hmm. and, and that's kind of true, in a way. I mean... Sorry what's, a, sorry, what's your question? Yeah, but is that a problem? Well, so it, it gives, like, it gives this idea that, you know, essentially, like, core 
Bitcoin Core controls Bitcoin. Right, that that is the impression that people have. Yeah, but I, I think it's true. The but the nuance, yeah. it's true. But the nuance is that it's it, while it's true that it was those few core, like highly respected devs that started Taproot and, and you know wrote it out and wrote the code. It was also the case that over a period of like two years, there was an enormous amount of effort, like people discussing it and buy-in, and there was actual like review, like massive review that hadn't been seen on that scale before. So. It's like with CTV, everyone was discussing it on the mailing list, but it was a lot more mixed picture of some people liked it, some people didn't like it, some people wanted to change it slightly. And it was, I don't know, but it's certainly true that, that, that it coming from like those few graybeards made a huge difference to Taproot, right? There's no question yeah, about so that. Yeah, like, so I personally don't have a problem with that. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I feel mm -hmm. like a lot of people think that they have free will when it comes to software, but like the best software out there is maintained by, you know, like, one dude in a basement mm -hmm. and then there's 5,000 other people in the company who like, you know, do the, the you know, like do the, the, the cute thing on the UI, right? Mm -hmm. There is very few people who understand this stuff. Uh, so you kind of, at the end of the day, have to trust somebody. And I think there's this misconception that there is no trust in Bitcoin. Yeah. Well, that's exactly why we have to have inertia and it has to be really, really difficult to change because, you know, as you point out, democracy doesn't work with stuff like this. We can't have like, you know, let's let's go to the local uh, local primary school and ask all the kids how we should, you know, how we should manufacture the control rods for the nuclear reactor. You know, let's let's be really democratic and have everyone in the town, you know, <laughs> decide what kind of nuclear reactor we. No, they don't know. They haven't got clue how any of that stuff works. It's the same with Bitcoin. Unfortunate reality is nobody has a clue how it works. So, I mean, 21 million, that's simple. We understand that. We're not going to change <laughs> that one, right? But this other stuff, I mean, CTV, give me a break. Nobody understands that. Like 10, all right, a thousand people in the world maybe, but. I, I think you're pushing it. I think if it, if it's like truly, truly understand, oh. if there's 50 people well, is a lot. Okay, truly, truly, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a big ask, yeah. And, and that's true for a lot of the stuff in Bitcoin. Mm. And that's yeah. and that's why, you know, when when we think about all of this, like the the sort of the implicit piece of these changes is that people want Bitcoin to behave differently so they can build businesses and become mm -hmm. bigger economic mm -hmm. nodes. That's their mm -hmm. incentive. Right. And they're not they're either not figuring out how to integrate Bitcoin into a business that, you know, you know honestly, they should just sell a better product and keep keep their net profit in Bitcoin if they want more Bitcoin rather than trying to force Bitcoin to, to behave in a way that, that they require to run their business. Like that's sort of like the ultimate challenge that I run into in some of these conversations is that like, you know, the, the reason people want Bitcoin to be different is because they haven't figured out a good enough business that lets them sell a good or a service to keep more Bitcoin. I definitely don't think that's the only reason. That another good reason is people may think Bitcoin needs to change in some way or another because otherwise it will fail. Mm. Yeah. yeah, that's the other one. For sure. Well, I mean, people have the greener grass problem too, right? Look at Ethereum. Look at the amount of people doing stupid shit with it. <laughs> I want to do stupid shit with it too. And that's my, again, my personal preference. You know how many times people tell me to mine Ethereum because the fees are higher? You know how much <laughs> right. of that there was over the last four years that we just ignored? <laughs> because look, and, and look, they, they rugged anyone who, who bought a GPU. Yeah, so, true. you know, th this is, this is why like the, there's like the, 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 there's the Turkey problem in many of these choices in many of these systems, oh. which is it looks a lot better for a long time. And then it goes to zero. And that the difference between what appears to be an increasing value slope, um, that then just goes to zero in one day, like zero day, zero. You know, I think we, we, we just, you know, you said, you said a lot earlier that, that humans are bad at, at grokking exponentials or grokking, you know, tail risk, 
we're terrible at, 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 at pricing tail risk, unless you're a Bitcoiner and then you're just saying no it's to everything. It's catastrophic. I mean, pretty much every civilization died because they just couldn't couldn't manage with, tail risk. With tail risk, yes, mm-hmm. yeah, but but the way to fight tail risk is to be a left a left side of the curver where you just say no, I'm not doing it. No, I'm not That's doing right. it. Not not where you say I have this really detailed understanding and no, we shouldn't do it. You just say no, I'm not doing it. So should we have stopped before B2SH, for example? So no multi sig, no lightning. Like, see, this is the issue too, right? Like, it's, where's the line? No, but I disagree with that, and I'll tell you why. Because I believe that Segwit. Forget all this, you know, two megabytes, four megabytes bullshit. It was a bug fix in Bitcoin's design. Bitcoin had a fundamental bug in it, which was that the authorization data, it authorized other authorization data recursively, which is actually just wrong. And that's why Lightning didn't work before SegWit. It should should never have been designed like that in the first place. And so that's part of your gardening, actually. Now, the other part of SegWit, the the four megabytes, that was kind of political. That was kind of, uh, well, you know, witness discount, blah, blah, blah. Witness is is different. It's true, witness is different, but should it really be a 0.25 discount? Uh, Debatable, but that was part of the politics. That was the politics of the time. But to be fair, though, like when you go back and you look at the block size discussion, I mean, one, it goes back mm. to the very, 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 very early days. Mm. It was kind of ill-defined, even by Satoshi. Like it was not like really sort of, you yeah, know, man. yeah, this has to be this way. There was never a, a, like a full sort of like step on the ground, like this is the block size. So you could say that like it's self-selected for people who saw that as the right property, right? And and got into Bitcoin earlier because of that. Like, oh, I want it to be censorship resistant in this specific way where it's very fast to sync nodes and, you know, all this stuff, right? Uh, and then the people who wanted the activity, sort of the economic activity to be a little bit higher, right? Per block, you know, they came later, right? But like it could have been inverted earlier too, if these people came earlier and sort of like fought for that. I mean, like, you know, Satoshi kind of got pushed out when you go back enough, right? Like you, you look at how they played out. It's not like some super amicable sort of like, hey, yeah, I'm just going to go on a vacation now. It's more like, you know, people started pushing things in, in the mean, directions that... You mean visiting the CIA? You mean visiting the, the CIA the, and all that? Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> Yeah. So anyways, I, I just, the, the discussion is, is, is already like super complicated and like very sort of like tenuous and, and undefined uh, for the hard stuff and the soft, so soft, so consensus things, right? But then you have the unintended consequences of just software changing because the devs want to change, right? Like for example, for RBF. Uh-huh, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. That's not a, a change that is required for Bitcoin to function. That is not mm-hmm. a change that changes consensus. consensus that is an optional yeah. change. But because everybody runs the same software, it becomes contentious, right? Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. when you choose, and this was part of the the USF fight with like, do you make it uh, default on the client? Do you don't make it on the client? Do you put it on the main distribution? Does it have to be a separate client? Who defines what separate client is? So now, like we have a change that does change economic like dynamics, right? Like it really makes zero conf transactions, which in my opinion are idiotic to be even less likely, right? Because you're really incentivizing for that not to happen on the client that everybody pushes. Again, core dev having a lot of power. It's kind of like, you know, maybe Aaron, uh, this goes to, to you on being against my point on the Mexican standoff. Think about Core as like Microsoft distribution of Internet Explorer. Uh, back when Internet Explorer was 99% of all the browsers out there. Any change that they make may not change the internet, 
but it does kind of mm-hmm. change the internet. Similar. I've no. I, I my argument has never been that Bitcoin core developers aren't influential. I just don't think they're part of the consensus. But but maybe that's sort of splitting hairs. But, yeah. Um, I I do still think that's an important distinction. I agree. Uh, no, I definitely agree. I just, I guess, I've been trying to find ways to sort of like convey my convoluted point about why. <laughs> so like every time it comes to mind, I, I feel like bringing it up. <laughs> Maybe I can inch closer. You're you're describing a behavioral reality, mm-hmm. right? Like you're, you're not de- you're not describing a, a technical reality. You're describing a behavioral reality, and and at the end of the day, like. Behavioral economics is far more explanatory than than micro or macro. Yeah. You know what analogy springs to mind here is that it's almost the same thing, but it's not exactly the same thing. With open source, I really struggle to explain to people sometimes. They say to me, well, look, yeah, Bitcoin's open source, but that doesn't really matter because I can't read the code. And they don't grok the point, the absolutely crucial point of the dynamics of the situation. It's not about whether you individually can read the code, although it's absolutely great if you can. It's the fact that there are thousands of people around the world. Anytime anything goes wrong, a good example being join markets, uh, uh, checksums going wrong, and you guys immediately noticed it, right? Uh, Why? Because the whole process is open. So it doesn't, of course, there's no guarantee, but when something is open, it changes it totally. And that applies to this concept of, oh, developers have power in Bitcoin. It's, It's true, as you point out, it's a behavioral reality. It's a practical reality. But it's also true the dynamics of the situation are such that that is not real power. Like Greg Maxwell <clears> comes <throat> along and says, you know what? This is all bullshit, guys. It should have been 42 million and I've got the other 21. Nobody's going to give a shit. He's the most influential. Well, maybe he isn't nowadays, but he used to be the most influential yeah. person in Bitcoin. It doesn't make any fucking difference, right? The point is the system is open. It's the openness of the dynamics of the openness that matters, not... And, and, uh, and yeah. you know, it's, it's more like uh, open software as in I can verify the software and run the software, not as in free open source, sort of like, you know, kumbaya about like how you feel about the state, state having control of their software or not. None <laughs> of that shit. Um, yeah. You know, really, like it, it, it really is about the fact that like you have permission to look at it because yeah. it's not being compiled yeah. and, and, and you also like can run it. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, but anyways, that, that's why like MIT over GPL, yeah. but we can go on Stallman that. Stallman was right. <laughs> Stallman was right, as they say. So yeah, so like we we were sort of like, I kind of derailed a little bit, but uh, we were just talking about the non-consensus rules that change, that can change everything, right? Uh, or sorry, can change a lot. Like the full RBF, non-full RBF. And, you know, there's a lot of changes like that that come all the time, it's just people don't notice. You know, we, we, I, and I think we're going to just have more of those. You know, how does this play out? Like, you know, in the, in the models that we were discussing on, you know, what is Bitcoin? Like, on your example, your framework of what is Bitcoin? Like, how, how does 4RBF play on that? Um, I think most of what I've said would only apply to consensus rules, really. Uh, how would it apply to RBF? I don't... I mean, people still receive the same blocks, right? RBF doesn't change that. So it, do, it can't split Bitcoin in any way. It can just, you know, maybe split... Uh, or maybe make um, mempools look different and therefore performance could maybe in some cases decrease a bit, but that that's the extent of that problem, I think. Am I, am I missing something? This doesn't seem like a fundamental issue, right? Oh, I, I agree. Uh, it's just, I found it to be very interesting because it was the first time in a long time that we had like something 
reasonably contentious. And it was kind of funny, right? Because it separated. Miners could not give less of a shit about that one, it seemed. But it really separated the, the, the dev distribution, right? Versus a lot of economic actors because it's an it's it's a it's not consensus, right? Like there was no arbitration of that mm-hmm. onto the next block, right? It's just sort of like stew up in the air, turn it off, and, and I think it would have been even more contentious if if it was f- uh, true, right? If it was uh, on by default, which it isn't. So core tried to minimize that contention a bit by making it off by default, mm. but nonetheless, I mean, like you had people who who had very strong views on this and it was not immaterial amount of people. Mm. That's true. Yeah, generally speaking, just sort of philosophically, whenever there's an issue like this, I tend to think that people should just be given the option. I don't think developers should or need to decide for everyone. And since this was about adding an option, I'm, I'm all for that. I think that's basically always fine. But then it's off by default or through by default in your definition? Yeah, well, that would be the next question, right? I mean, at this mm-hmm. point, the discussion was just about adding the option and it was still off by default. So at that point, I don't see any problem with that whatsoever, really. Like if people want to switch an option on, on their own note that they are running themselves and they know how to do it, like if they know how to do it and they know what they're doing, like if they know how to do it, they probably know well enough what they're doing that like that's a power that users should have in my opinion now what the default is is a much harder question yeah uh, i don't know if i definitely know what i would decide there but i, I just want to point out that it, even if we have proper choice you know and even if we ignore the tyranny the fault problem we just say it's a choice even then there's still a problem there's still a tragedy the commons problem here on both sides on the one hand merchants have the problem on on that side that they you know they they're going to prevent pre- have a degraded user experience that's how they would ex- explain it but on the other side the side that perhaps is not as, as obvious to people who aren't involved in the technical discussions is that there are certain kind of off-chain protocols where the fact that that is by default or on or by default off on the wider network could impact the potential risk of that off-chain protocol. I mean, that's that's at least how Antoine and, and others sort of explained it um, on the mailing list discussions about it. You know, so it's not like there's no problem at all with with having it the other way where, you know, it's, yeah, anyway. <laughs> It is problematic, as I'm trying to say. So, guys, we've been going on for about like uh, about two hours now, and you know, it's one of those discussions that um, you know sometimes it's easy if everybody just immediately agree and you sort of like glance over <laughs> it. I kind of found it awesome that we kind of disagreed right on the beginning <laughs> about the definition because it does make us explore right, like the little you know tangents on this. I think like you know, like maybe we should sort of like slowly wrap up. I think I sort of like percolating some ideas on like how we could do this again with like a little bit more sort of like framed and specific questions maybe. I love the fact that Aaron sort of like had a very good question from the beginning like because it's hard when you have something so complex to sort of like get it right in there. I think I think like coming from a problem or coming from a question sort of helps clarify a lot. That was really good. Given like where we went so far, which little things do you think we didn't address that I think are like are missing if, if somebody was listening to this for like two hours? I don't think we talked about the fact that miners are rule takers, not rule makers. 
That's a that's a very good one. Yeah. Which is, you know, to me, sort of the my 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 annual um, supplication to my economic nodes, or maybe my <laughs> ten minute supplication, which is just that that you know we learned we learned across the system that miners are not in charge. We are not. We are not in charge. We don't want to be in charge. We want to get paid in Bitcoin every block. Yeah. And that's much more important than being in charge because any time that we would try to be in charge you know, we would break, we would break sort of the terminal value of the, of the revenue stream that we need to achieve in order to pay our bills. That's, it's good that you brought that up. That was one of the motivations for this episode. And I kind of like forgot about <laughs> it in the midst of the conversation because like, you know, UASF now it's, it's long ago for a lot of, a lot of like a huge cohort of newcomers into Bitcoin. Right. And people have no idea so they, they, they are going to be told soon enough that, you know, when CPU and vote kind of thing, they're going to think Bitcoin is democratic and the miners control this. And I, I think it's important that we sort of remind users as a community, like every so often of like, you know, it's kind of like the Passover, you know, every year you go and you explain to everybody mm -hmm. in like detail, <laughs> painful detail, all the aspects of how, you know, <laughs> things work. Uh, uh, I think Bitcoin needs a Passover every year. So, so that's definitely like a, a great aspect. Is there like any other aspects like that, that like are important that like we remind people? I mean, there there are some more weeds to dive in there, but uh, that that sure. would open up a whole new can of worms. Pick pick a few, and we'll see if we can go or not. <laughs> Let's see. So, if miners are against a rule change, that for whatever reason, maybe there's a new uh, hashing algorithm, and, and all their hardware becomes obsolete, but the market wants it. Like is, are we on board with doing that then, or like, well, who decides this? Should should the Bitcoin core developers include that code? I think that's the most concrete question to ask. So, in other words, should Bitcoin core developers listen to what miners want, or should they only listen to what users or the market wants? Does anyone have an opinion? I there? think the important on this, to me at least, is the consequence, right? Do we have a horizon on new security? Correct. Did we invent some new shit, some amazing algo that, you know, somehow makes sense? Obviously, yeah, the, the answer is yes, because the market will. Otherwise, the market wouldn't want it, I think. No, I mean, but the market may make short term decisions for many reasons. The ESG too. gods come down from their throne and. Let's just assume, let's just assume that, yes, we have a better hashing algorithm. Users want it. The market wants it. There's no dispute there. It's clear. We live in a version of reality where this is objectively clear, <laughs> but the miners don't. Should the developers include this or not? That's that's sort of my question to you. I I, I think they should try. Well, they Sorry. can just do it, right? They, Sorry, the developers they should try. The code. <laughs> no, no. I think I think like this is this is this is a deeper question about security. This is a question about like the to me you know is the. And Aaron, you're right. This is a rabbit hole. Um, the the two components to the security model that matter are number one is the cryptography, uh, and then number two is the accumulated work required to process the new block. You know, so if we were to see a fundamental break in SHA two fifty six, and we need a new algorithm. You know, for, for in order to in order to secure and and Adam, please tell me when I've 
fully stepped off the ledge um, in the cryptography discussion. Mm-hmm. That is that is the ledge stepping, by the way. But no, but I have a better reason let's why. Let's just say there's a full cryptographic breach. No, and no, we no, have no to let's let's not over. go there. No, 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 no. Wait, wait. Let's not go on end of Shah. It's a, it's a silly way of thinking. Think about differently. Okay. Let's the, say the hypothetical uh, is much more basic. The hypothetical is simply users want it, miners do not. What should developers do? That's all. But uh, let's say users want it because there is a new algo that works, you know, like in some interplanetary yep, sure. way. There's an advantage, not a flaw. I think it's a better way of, so we don't pollute the thinking. I uh, think sure. it's like, it's an interplanetary algo now. So you can mine in Mars because it goes faster than the speed of light on propagation. Some stupid thing. Now is the nuclear option, right? Do we, do we pull it? But would, would they have seen it coming? Would they already be economically be preparing for it? What should what should developers do? Well, they should offer the fork, of course. They should. <laughs> the, the short the short answer is we won't have a choice, and the short answer is we will need to adapt our businesses to that reality. But see, I, I find that that exercise maybe like kind of pointless in a way because if there was something so big as that, aside from a flaw the miners would be economically preparing for that, you know, so they would be investing in the new functionally we're functionally we're already doing that, which is, you know, the mechanism of introduction is different in your case, but like every time Bitmain and MicroBT introduce a a generation upgrade to the Mm -hmm. hardware, we are already in the, in the practice of planning our businesses around technology changes that require us to purchase new hardware. So we already have that muscle. And that financing muscle, that operational muscle, that technology muscle, like that's all kind of baked into what we do already. You know, the, the way that you're describing it and the power dynamics of the introduction are a little bit different, but like we don't have any control over how fast Bitmain introduces efficiency advantage into their into their hardware. You know, they're subject to the laws of their ability to develop, you know, but we're already facing a third party that we have no say over adding a new technology to our stack without our consent. So my my hypothetical is less of a hypothetical than you might think, but and I don't remember the exact so it wasn't about a proof of work change, obviously, but there actually was an issue a couple of years ago where the developers or some developers were thinking more about the miners while other developers were just thinking about the users. Mm-hmm. So I don't remember exact example, but so my question is, is very generally, to what extent do you think the developers should be thinking about what the miners want? Well, it's going to depend on the miners at the time, right? Like they're the internet explorer. Why? Because they're the internet explorer maintainers, right? They're not the owners of the internet, but they have 99%. The miners? No, the developers. The developers have the 99% distribution of the software, right? So, yeah. you know, like it really is going to depend on like how the majority of them who, or whoever ends up maintainer, decider of, of what goes in, goes in. Well, but I'm asking, but the question is, what do you think they should do? Can I offer an answer? Because I think... I yeah. think it seems pretty obvious to me that as a developer of Bitcoin, what you would be doing is 
look at the impact on miners to the extent that it might damage the system. So if you did something where mining power all fell off the network, uh, we'd have this terrible scenario, but only to that extent. You, you don't care about miners, sort of, so to speak, qua miners. You, care, you only care about users of your system. Miners are service providers to the system right. that get paid for it. So if you but do something- users. Just, uh, no, not as, not qua miners. If they own Bitcoin, they're users. Yeah? Yes, they're the ones who are economic nodes. If they receive specifically, if they receive Bitcoin for services, yes. they're users. So, uh, I mean, it's separate from block reward. <laughs> but anyway, uh, my point is yes. that they, they're not going to care about the businesses of mine. They're only going to care about major disruption, which might fuck up the system, in my opinion. Right. Well, so this is exactly mm. the, the point that I'm bringing up. I mean, I agree with you, Adam. That That's pretty much how I would answer the question as well. So should developers care about miners just as users like for the reason that they're using the system yes. as miners I, I maybe make it more confusing than it was a minute ago, <laughs> it's, it's just confusing naturally yeah. they should they should care about miners such that such that such that it is a net it's it's a lower the rate broaden the base I mean, they're gardeners, right? Like, I mean, they, they're ideally, they are gardeners, right? They care about the garden not dying. So if the goal is for you to like have a long-term view on this, then yes. But again, the only uh, attack vector, let's put it this way, is short-term thinking, right? And that could happen for many reasons. I mean, we could all be under World War III and everybody's stressed and people don't have money to eat. And you know what I mean? Like, and, and people's decisions may be different based on the time frame that they are they're seeing right like i mean and this is why i find like so i go ahead so you've brought up i don't know how many more cans of worms we're gonna <laughs> open but so you've brought up the the, the risks of short-term thinking many times or at least a number of times throughout this episode yes so do you think there is a solution for like whatever way we decide to do anything that's always a risk right Yeah of course I'm not thinking in terms of a defeatist sort of frame of mind when I bring that up it's more it's the opposite it's is to recognize that there is that risk and to mitigate that risk you know So how do you mitigate that Normally the narrative like it's it's understanding is like is the narrative. But that's how what that could also be short term thinking, right? The people spreading of course. A narrative. It, it, there is no perfect solution, right. but there surely there are better solutions or worse. Oh, solutions. of course, of course, and, and, and the better solutions are going to be based on long term thinking. Yeah, but how, how do you d determine which solution? That's what I'm getting to. Like it's thinking. the same. I pose the same this question is, to you. This right? is like, a, this, you're, we're just we're describing a frame challenge. No, so my answer is, I think the market is best at doing this. I think the market is the best thing we have. I, I don't it's disagree. Also market. I think they're better than anything. Better than any alternative I can think of. The market over what period of time? Just the market over, the, the market is better than democracy. Let's just, but yes. let's just say the market over a sufficiently long period of time, because we know, we know that it the gets, market- It gets better over time. No, but, but like, what's the implementation of these, like features or, or this like technically, practically, how is the market sort of like signaling here towards your goal, right? Like, is it like a, a Bitfinex thing? Is it like, you know, like, because it matters how it's implemented. It matters what's happening at the time, right? Because- Oh, that, 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 that matters a lot. That, that matters a lot for sure. I, and I, I don't really want to go back to the whole prediction market thing. I think we've, we're over that now. <laughs> 
I just wanted to point out that you, you have a tendency to argue against things from the perspective that short-term thinking is a risk, but that's sort of a risk on every route, if you see what I'm saying. No, I agree. I think it's like we keep on... Like you, you can't use it against... Well, yeah. I'll let you finish. I think we're in the circular argument because I agree with you on how you're describing it. The, the issue that I have is the implementation of whatever market solution you have at the time would also be susceptible to the same attack of short-term thinking too. So like, it's like if I was like a competent attacker, you know, I, I have the thing I want, right? But then I also have already fought through and have the means of attacking whatever price signals or whatever like market signals you are trying to, to use as your guiding truth. That would be how I would do it. I would find the opportune time that like, you know, like I can capture the majority of the solutions or semi-capture the majority of the solutions that provide the price signals or provide whatever market indicators, right? And, and I will approach it that way. It, it, it wouldn't be, it, it's a lot easier, I guess. Like, well, it would cost you a lot of money at least. Yeah, right? but that's, that's the kind of attacker we're talking about. I, I, well, it's easier. It's easier. It's easier than what? That so you were gonna. You said that's easier than. And what were you gonna say after that? No, no. So it's like it's. I think it's like it's easier than people think to like attack a market that way. If if you're like a, a worthy opponent. So my only argument or my core argument is that it's still harder than anything yes. else. Yes. It's still the hardest yes. thing to cross. I absolutely agree, and that's why I hold Bitcoin bags. <laughs> see there you no, go no no like it's like i i absolutely agree like i, I don't it's like I'm, I'm thinking as somebody right. who's trying to overthink that attack surface right because my bags depend on it but you know tina right there is no alternative bitcoin is the best thing we have against all this is like against all possible economic attackers right but like it is quite amazing what could be done. I mean, like you look at FTX, right? Like, I mean, you could almost say like that was an insane inflation attack on Bitcoin. It was the fiat maxi way of attacking Bitcoin, right? They prevented any spot ETF. They prevent, they open all the ways to short, none of the ways to, to call those shorts, right? And then they had like all the fiat maxis who have infinite pockets put money in that entity. And they managed to inflate Bitcoin by, you know, like 15, 20% for that epoch. It's crazy. But this is Adam's earlier point, which is that, which is that we already have the golden goose and everything we're talking about is, is, is a means of defending it. That's right. Right. We're, we're fun. We are fundamentally in the catbird seat from a, from a, a, a asset quality perspective. And all we're doing is playing defense. Um, and so when you say like the, the, the defeatist mindset, I totally agree. None of us have a defeatist mindset. We all have, we all have a, a victorious mindset because we, we are working on what we think is the best solution and we're trying to defend it at all costs. I mean, you could say that Bitcoiner paranoia is really how this whole system works, right? I mean, like, you know, you, you look like send an email to the mailing list, you know, describing something, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I mean, you know, it is quite fascinating. And, and anyways, so Aaron, uh, do you have any other one of those? <laughs> no, I'm done now. <laughs> Adam, how about you? 
I just, I just want to mention it, no need to discuss it, okay? But I just want to mention <laughs> one thing, which is I don't think we spend almost any time talking about uh, off-chain second layer or nth layer uh, mechanisms, because I think that's the actual future of the system. It's not like spending our time adding more and more opcodes to the base layer. The actual future is finding ways to work off-chain. Yes, because uh, because the base layer is not a consumer payments network. It never was. I don't care if Satoshi said it. I don't care what he said about vending machines. I don't care what anyone I, I know cryptographer from this that and the other tell, tells you. It's all uh, rubbish. It's not a consumer payments network. Uh, if you want to run a business using Bitcoin, then stop focusing on base chain because that's for serious hard money transfers. It's not for consumer payments. I mean, it is preposterous to think that the world is going to do payments on one yeah. megabyte blocks when Bitcoin <laughs> came out. Like, <laughs> like yeah. it's preposterous, yeah. right? So yeah, but but you know, like, it's kind of interesting you brought that up. We don't have to go too far, but you know, because of, like Lightning was a huge force actor, right? So Lightning providers, Lightning developers, Lightning whatever, were huge players, right, in the activation of SegWit because they needed that to fix malleability and to sort of tweak a few other things to make that happen well. And you could say that some of that was also true for Taproot, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So you could say that you know if these layers grow enough, they do have an impact on base layer. They do have an impact on consensus too, because they now become bigger economic actors and they, they will push changes. Yeah, there is an interaction, but I think it's, it's going to die down over time. Because we, we can't even get like uh, any prev out, you know, it's been been like four years now, nothing. <laughs> do, do we, see, like I was thinking the other day, like, do, do we have a path to maybe have a way of finding consensus on having small changes, consensus changes? Because so far, every time we had a consensus change, we bundle a bunch of shit up, right? Mm, yeah, well, almost all of them. Well, I mean, there was that... SPIP 62 or 66 or something and CLTV and CSV were like one-offs, but yeah. But you know, like, do we find a way, for example, for any prevout, like something that is small, right? Or the, the Unix time change issue. Do we sort of like find a path that we have like a good agreement on how to activate those uh, and sort of like do them without bundling, you know, ominous bills? Uh, <laughs> 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 Omnibus builds, yeah. Mm. Well, mm. I mean, any prev out, in my opinion, is almost as like unclear as CTV. I mean, this is, a, I probably shouldn't be saying anything about this. I, I haven't participated much in the discussions, but um, they're both things that people just debated and discussed endlessly. I don't know. I'm not sure. But yeah, individual individual one-offs. I mean, I don't know. People talked about that from from a long time ago, didn't they? Having parallel soft forks run, soft fork activations running in parallel. That was the whole idea of BIP nine, if I remember correctly. But it didn't really take off, did it? There was also another idea floating around, which was uh, having a, a, a time like a time period for a new feature. It comes in, but it deactivates unless mm. people continue. So, like you have a potential breaking change. It, it runs for yeah. whatever year. Uh, and, you know, and we keep those blocks, right? We don't rewind anything, yeah. but unless we, we, we sort of keep that activated, right? It deactivates by itself. It's set to deactivate by itself on, on a specific block. It is an interesting idea. I, I, in a way, it's sort of like, I don't like the idea of minimizing changes because that's what it does, right? If you have an out, if you have a way of backing from a change, it minimizes the changes, even if they're huge. Intuitively, that sounds like a terrible idea. 
It does, doesn't it? I mean, I think about it from the user perspective, the confusion that would cause. I don't know. Well, that's probably why we don't have it. Then. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Okay, guys. I, I think uh, I think we've uh, we've reached a, a good sort of breaking point here. <laughs> yeah, this is an endless discussion, and I'm very I'm very grateful you guys joined mm-hmm. me. You guys are all busy people who gave me uh, over two hours of your time. Any final thoughts, uh, Harry? I'm enjoying working on Bitcoin. I continue to. It hasn't gotten boring yet. <laughs> okay, Aaron. Any final thoughts? Uh, prediction markets cannot be stopped. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Adam, any any final thoughts? Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward, Harry, to the time when Bitcoin gets boring that I don't have. That nobody has to think about it anymore. I'm sure it will come sooner than we expect. I, you know, I think I think this bear market was a little bit of that. I think like bit, people yeah. are just trying to sort of come up with shit because Bitcoin sort of works. Mm-hmm. Uh, it works fairly well. Yeah, guys, again, thank you so much. I, I'd love to to pick up on some of these tangents in, in like separate episodes. And I'd love to have you guys again. If you guys have any ideas for other episodes related to this topic, do do let me know. I think it's worth exploring. And, and I think people really benefit from like having people like you guys sort of talking about it. So yeah, thank you so much. You guys have an awesome day. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers. Thanks for listening. If you're new to the pod, make sure to listen to some very cool other episodes. Episode 15 about lightning, episode 11 about podcasting 2.0 and value for value. And we also had a hardware wallet security panel on episode five. Don't forget to follow at Bitcoin Review HQ or get in touch on Telegram, Bitcoin Review Pod, or Bitcoin Review at CoinKite.com. We don't have a crystal ball, so let us know about your projects. Leave your boostagram on this episode and we'll try to read it on the next episode. We've added more people to the splits. Now, if you send us streaming sets, some of that go to opensets.org and also to Citadel Dispatch with my guest, Odell. If you don't know much about Value for Value or Bitcoin Podcast 2.0, go to bitcoin.review slash v4v. Mm-hmm.